0: Welcome back it is the third place i'm glad you're here with us we last week we were on the journey with journey uh exploring a very touching a very beautiful short little game and then to follow that up we're going deep dive into one of the most long-running most convoluted most uh mind-expanding brain franchises known to man uh this is going to be a very long-running series of episodes covering uh the very famous series Kingdom Hearts and tonight I am joined by two lovely men uh returning from the last of us part 2 episode is Taylor and introducing Nick from Tokyo how are you guys doing
1: great great glad to be here <laughs>
0: yeah. we got we got someone new we got someone from the past so uh I want to ask Taylor um since you are a recurring guest Taylor what have you been playing excluding kingdom hearts what have you been playing recently that's sort of the returning guest question uh this yeah. season
2: yeah first of all i'm very happy to be back on the third place the <laughs> premier gaming podcast for <laughs> gamers uh and uh lately i've been playing actually some pretty like uh chronology like like things that you've been talking about which is uh smt5 Uh, yes
0: Yes. (laughs) uh, which
2: is really really good and i'm like so impressed by the uh the way that it is still such a serious game like Mm -hmm. smt games but also has a lot of kind of fun like the world exploring parts of it are actually more um fleshed out than i thought they would be yeah and it does make a big difference in kind of adding a um i don't know something more interesting than just kind of moving your little like nocturne (laughs) icon like across the board so i've
0: that's very true i
2: I bought nocturne i started it it just it has a really excellent mood but i feel like i need to play it when i get like sick once you know like i need to have like (laughs) several days being bedridden to like play through nocturne oh yes Um, that's that's very true smt5 has been uh recently what i've been on but also i got elden ring wicked late so i started it way after the hype so i'm currently still on my like the i would say the last section i just got to like you know the capital whatever so i'm going to be starting the boss gauntlets from what i understand pretty soon um Mm -hmm. and i always slow down in souls games on the bosses because like i'm not (laughs) an elite like uh souls person i just like really love the game design and the atmosphere of them. And Elden Ring is like so cool. And, you know, yeah, yeah, I obviously yeah. don't need to talk about how uh, sick Elden Ring is, but I'm like trying to enjoy it because what I've heard is that it's really good on a first one. And then every time you play it afterwards, it's like a little less. Uh, I don't know, is that the, the don't rush the first experience is what I've heard. So I'm trying to yeah. take my time on it and, you know, savor. It.
0: Yeah, I had perfect timing, too, because they announced the new DLC uh, like comes out later this year early next year question mark who knows um but yeah all classic games i'm glad you're finally getting to smt uh as everyone should uh, oh it's
2: it's so good but also <laughs> still so it's so mean and it like you just you forget yourself for a second and it, it can be so early and it, you feel like oh well no it's these are i fought this guy it's super easy and then you just you know you yeah, misjudge one encounter and you you die, and then you forgot that you didn't save for thirty minutes. And... Yeah, pain. It's the pain simulator. Uh-huh. And, it, uh, and when you die, it just er- it just makes you load. It <laughs> doesn't even say anything like "sink." Oh, whatever. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I, <laughs> I know. Exact- <laughs> no, I know exactly what you feel. uh It is brutal and punishing.
2: It's like load yeah, it'll- and start over. I don't don't see what the issue is you you lost so lotus start over is your two options
0: yeah no it smt has to be endured to understand you have to suffer to really get to to fully appreciate it so i'm i'm glad to hear that you've dived in um but uh we have a new guest tonight on the show nick from tokyo i i'm very glad to have you on i have personally loved your episodes with zach on i'm so popular and your episode on tpn uh last year on some classic disney movies so i'm very glad to have you on tonight so since you are new to the show nick i want to get i want to probe you on what is your gaming history where does it start from for old nick
1: well first of all let me say that thank you for inviting me i think i've said <laughs> before on my twitter that like aesthetically i really love your twitter like I feel like you're one of the best aesthetic posters just from the fact of like your your passions of games right so it's like an honor to be kind of sitting here talking with somebody who I respect so highly in oh, the gaming world thank you so um, much but uh yeah I my gaming history so I it really starts with Pokemon Red and Blue yeah. um like I feel like many of the people who were born in the early 90s I was born in 1992 Mm-hmm. um you know that was kind of our first entry into gaming um and it wasn't something that my mom actually condoned i was yeah. only playing like my friend's game boy color you know uh, she didn't versions. call it she didn't call it
0: witchcraft
1: like, yeah no, no no she wasn't like that she just didn't want me playing <laughs> video games right so um until and this is actually a pretty common story that i don't think happens anymore in the current age um, she had to take me to work for whatever reason and <laughs> to keep me occupied. That was what broke her and got her to buy me, um, a Game Boy Color and Pokemon Yellow. And so nice. Pokemon Yellow is like my first game that I ever played. Um, and unfortunately I don't think that happens anymore because everybody has iPhones, right? So you yeah. just give your child your phone, right? And they play you know for mobile app is their introduction I know Fortnite. (laughs) it's it's a a legitimate shame but we can talk more about like the uh downfall of the gaming industry due to mobile apps um but uh yeah so Pokemon Yellow was my introduction um, and then, right, I was like, you know, playing computer games, Roller Coaster Tycoon yes. was like, it is like if I could only play one game for the rest of my life, it would probably be Roller Coaster Tycoon, maybe Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> um, but uh, a singular title, yeah, it would be uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Um, and then I had, even though my mom didn't really let us get consoles, um, you know, for a while there, I was lucky enough that my next door neighbor, who was my best friend growing up, um, He was the complete opposite. He got every single new console at, at the release date and he would go to Blockbuster and get like new games every week. And we would, I would sleep over at their place. And so I had like, I have a really broad, you know, experience with a bunch of games, but it's all in just these short bursts of whatever the time limit was for the rental, you know, to return the rental game at their house. Uh-huh. Um, So it wasn't really until... Like the game right before the GameCube came out, my mom finally brought us a N64, um, played, you know, Pokemon Stadium 2, Pokemon Puzzle League. I was huge into Pokemon. Yeah. Um, and Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time was like my first kind of Japanese.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I guess it wasn't, I guess because Pokemon is also yeah. Japanese, so it wasn't my first Japanese game, but it was like my first outside of Pokemon game that I was playing. Yeah. Um, and then and then you know, and you talked about this in your um, episode with Jack, but the PS2 being also like a DVD player yeah. was what got my mom to buy the PS2 for us. Mm-hmm. And relatively af- shortly after it released. And mm-hmm. that was like what introduced me to um, a broader spectrum of games, but Kingdom Hearts and like the Final Fantasy JRPG um, series mm-hmm. of games. Um, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, I'm just so busy nowadays that it's very difficult for me to like find the time to actually sit down and game. Kingdom Hearts is one of those series that I continue to do. And it wasn't until um, really, I guess it was Pokemon Arceus. I didn't play Pokemon for a really long time. Um, I wasn't interested in the series. Pokemon Arceus kind of brought me back to um, sitting down and playing like a game. And then hogwarts legacy Um, i've been really really into hogwarts legacy um so i'm tempted
0: to get that that actually because i love the books and i love the movies and that one just genuinely looks fun like yeah it just seems like if you were a fan, this is like, you know, the gold mine sort of thing. Yeah. Um if, yeah, for sure. If you're uh, a fan,
1: if you're a fan, I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, for me, it was like that was my other big the non-video game series I was into was Harry Potter. Yeah. And so it's like seriously, like, this is what I always wanted to do, which is the comment that I keep hearing from from fans <laughs> in particular. It's like the thing that you always wanted to do as a kid, you now can actually do. So <laughs> I would recommend it.
0: I I, my, my favorite thing about Hogwarts Legacy coming out recently was a, a bunch of people who I don't on my timeline immediately like register as a gamer saying like oh yeah no I, I totally want to get this uh, particularly uh, Red Pill wife uh, she was like <laughs> right. I, I want this game but I, I, I only have a Switch and I have to wait till the summer to get it it's like oh I'm okay. so sorry honey Uh, But that's, like, such a cute little image for me of, like, her wanting to play her Harry Potter game. Uh, Yeah. yeah. It it seems, you know, minus the whole controversy that spiraled out out of that game, I don't, I'm not going to put too much effort into that because I don't care uh, about Mm -hmm. that controversy. But it's uh, very rare to see, you know, I I would say very uh, off, the offline people in the world. Like, it's, it's very charming to just see them, like, latch on to something so, like, purely and, like, something just as, like, oh, this is what... Yeah, like, what you're saying is, like, this is what I've always dreamed of, like, a Harry Potter game. uh Because for the longest time, Harry Potter games were uh, of varying mid-quality for the longest okay. time. uh I remember, like, how... uh. Uh, half blood prince game was kind of like considered okay back in the right. day but that was it like that's like the highest praise you could have gotten as a Harry Potter game is like oh yeah it's okay um right so it was a, playable yeah it yeah. was like a playable <laughs> game like, great uh yeah no so I, I love I love that story personally for you and yeah you're you're totally right about how kids these days don't know the joy of like have like owning a handheld like that was not a smartphone like you know yeah. uh go ha- ha- like having a device that was only good for like one thing which was games always mm-hmm. was like a fun thing especially growing up like i remember getting my first handheld, which was a game boy advance sp uh it was namely so that my parents uh had uh so that I could, wouldn't be bored at like going on road trips, it was like mm. it's like here, have your Game Boy shut up for a bit. We don't want you asking, like, stop talking about are we there yet? Uh, mm-hmm. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, you know, getting my Game Boy Advance, and one of my first Game Boy games was a, uh, I believe it was Pokemon Sapphire. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was Sapphire because I, <laughs> I have a very fond memory of accidentally fainting Kyogre in that game. <laughs> And I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't, and I didn't have a backup save. Oh, jeez! So I was like, "Well, I I kind of screwed up there, now didn't I?" <laughs> and I think I also screwed up again because I used the master ball on a waylord. It's like oh, Jesus. I was, I yeah. was kind of, I was a very special child back eh, in the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, kids these days don't know like having a Game Boy or a PSP or heck a DS. It's like. There's a certain just fun to that all that I don't, you know, an iPhone, sure. The iPhone can do 3d graphics and be somewhat sort of on par with like a switch game, but that's not the same. It's like, it's like a part of like the sort of cell, you know, cyber distraction that a phone creates, uh, meanwhile like a game boy kind of feels like pulling open a book it's like oh i have my yeah totally pull, here's my game time i pull you know, flip open the sp and, and like, it's yours
1: right it's not your parents phone that they're giving you that they'll have to like take back you know later so you get to actually like i mean it's like when i found my game boy color when i went home to my parents house it was like so many memories that was, were attached to that Oh yeah! How many kids can say that you know about their their parents' phone that they stumble across? Oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> but yeah, Here's my here's my game. Know. This is my Game Boy I mean, Advance. Oh, go. what is beautiful. a beautiful! Uh, <laughs> beautiful. Where device. I
0: put my set my second grade uh, glowing, glowing work. work sticker. Exactly. <laughs> like kids these days don't know. It's like you would custom. You would decorate your like Game Boys. You would like try to make them your own. Even you know there was like a there was also like the fun of like. Because they're like multicolored too. It's like I want that color because it's most right. identifying with me, and it's not you know a you know a squ- rectangle like that's not right. different from anybody else's. Like uh, there's also you know just I can flip it open like that. <laughs> so, yes. you know, there's so such nice. a. I still need to get a charger for this. I don't know where I put my charger for this thing. Ah, so
2: the charger yeah. issue. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah the the proprietary charger the for the system. But I'm glad that you mentioned handhelds. You know, again, you know, zoomers don't get it. They don't know, you know, I figured Zoomers may have like their last chance was a Vita, but then no one gave the Vita a shot, which always breaks yeah. my heart. Uh yeah. the the last other than the 3DS. I guess the 3DS was an okay enough success, but I always will hold Fond memories with the Vita, the last proper handheld system that I have memories with as I'm staring at it in its case on the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I'm glad to hear from both of you all about your games, whether it's new or old. So uh, it always brings me joy to hear people's stories because everyone has a unique story to their own. I mean, everyone has their own sort of personal memories where it started and what has kept them excited about games of the year so i'm grateful for that but we have some business to take care of which is our uh mo- our uh giga franchise to un- start unpacking tonight um which is kingdom hearts uh so i have like a question slash questions for you guys just because i know you guys have a are safe to say that you guys are kingdom hearts fans from about the start when it happened in 2002 ish period and kingdom hearts is an anomaly in so many ways for um you know it's an action rpg mel- melding disney and square enix characters that already should like set off red flags to like, that already sets off red flags to most people in the be- in the first place and it is a 20 year it is it's a 21 year old franchise uh that has uh, spanned multiple consoles handhelds cell phones uh it's spawned it's own like manga series you know all the like all various medias uh throughout the years and it's all this one continuous story that continues to add on, add on, add on to itself. And it becomes spiral, this, spiral, yeah, it,
2: spiral, exactly. spiral.
0: <laughs> it's been spiraling into this just, you know, gloopish thing that is to most people. So impenetrable that you can't really perceive what it is. So I wanted to, you know, as part of this first episode of a long kingdom hearts series that I'm going to be doing is for you guys, what is kingdom hearts to you? What, makes kingdom hearts unique from everything else to you guys you know the there's yeah what is kingdom hearts so i guess you know nick if you want to start what is kingdom hearts to you
1: yeah i mean for me it's funny because you know i I think for those of for those people who know me on twitter you know obviously i'm a huge disney fan um specifically the parks but again um the movies it was not something that i really um was like super interested in and so kingdom hearts kind of like introduced me to kind of the disney movies um i don't think i had seen like aladdin i hadn't seen alice in wonderland first time that i had played it but it really was like a very accessible way to kind of get into um these longer form console games that had like a you know um that weren't on the handheld right that weren't like pokemon you know, and I hadn't experienced that prior to Kingdom Hearts. Um, and I think, like, for me, the personality that I have now kind of developed out of Kingdom Hearts. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is um, Kingdom Hearts is super into friendship, super mm-hmm. into, like, everybody at the end of the day is a good person. Like, mm-hmm. they're just maybe walking down the wrong path. and But you can, like, come back and and bring them to the light, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so, like, it's it's really stupid, but I think the <laughs> fact that I was so into Kingdom Hearts as a kid kind of informed how I think now as an adult, which is, like, the power of friendship, which, I mean, it's, like, it's, re- it's very cringe. I'm very aware <laughs> of how cringe it sounds, yeah. but, like, you know, especially for myself who lives, like, uh, you know, in Japan, away mm-hmm. from the States and my friends, the idea that always in your heart, you know, forgotten, but not lost, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can always lean on those connections, you know, when you need, um, when you need to, Mm -hmm. like, those are all kind of concepts that I have actually like really taken to heart. um, No pun intended. Yeah. Um, And so like it actually is something as kind of like a, like a reference for me or like a template for how I want to like build my own like life and and character and personality um that I think I built off of. Like I started building on when I was a kid and just has, has built off of into an into adulthood. So mm-hmm. like is, you know, a fun game. I really love like especially Kingdom Hearts Two. Um I really love like it as a game, but it for me is like goes beyond that. It is something that really is like linked to I think my own personal like personhood you know yeah. so um it really really is a special game mm-hmm. for me in that regard
2: yeah, that yeah. special series
0: right mm-hmm. and then i guess you know same question that you taylor what is kingdom hearts to you
2: uh uh so many <laughs> things um <laughs>
0: where do we begin
2: yeah i guess one thing it, it really does especially when i think of kingdom hearts one and the games we're talking about tonight um it 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 has a lot of the emotional things that um, Nick was talking about, but also as a kind of a, as video games, as a, like, escapist media for me, um, Kingdom Hearts was kind of one of the first times that, like, my entire imagination was taken over by, like, a game world. And, like, the aesthetic choices and rules of that world were just, like, how I was thinking for, like, you know, months on end. And I was, like, drawing, you know characters from the uh the book in class on like you know a notebook like it was uh imaginatively and even just like and we'll obviously you know kind of touch on it but like Destiny Island like the idea of like this wanting to explore knowing not knowing anything about like what especially as a kid like knowing that I want to get out there and see stuff but like you know you're constantly being told it's not time yet and like Mm-hmm. um and then once you do you realize that when you go out there you like uh might lose your friends you might uh be um put in situations that are like you know whatever like they made it's not going to be what you think it is you're not going to ride on a raft with your friends and with your two <laughs> fish you collected and sort of not starve to death in <laughs> the fucking seas or whatever um but it's you know it's one of those games where like I still love just like physically moving in the game feels so immersive in a way that like Disney games never quite got right. But like Mm -hmm. living in like the, like walking around in the Alice in Wonderland world feels like a more like physically realized Alice in Wonderland than I've ever like been in. And even Mm -hmm. with the un candy choices of like like that world has literal sky boxes like the <laughs> tops of the yeah. rooms are ceilings like yes. you're in a fucking themed like a theme park it's yeah that stuff's so fucking cool the vibe and like nether like all of the 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 ways that you can be inside of a completely different uh space a completely different world um and that the possibilities are like oh well it's not just that you go to this one world like there's all of these different places where everything's different like the kind of possibility space that kingdom hearts opened up was like really exciting for me as a kid and like really Mm -hmm. connected to me
0: yeah i mean those both of you guys i think covered very you know core pillars to this franchise you know kingdom hearts i think you know it's very easy to point out Kingdom Hearts is a series that gets ridiculed by a lot of people for surface level observations about it. They see the sort of hot topic aesthetic of wearing keychains and zippers and straps and it's all these emo JRPG characters who are talking about their emotions and their feelings and now you have like all these Disney characters who are talking about hearts and dark and you know uh, light and these very uh out there concepts that don't exactly make a whole lot of sense when you observe it as an outsider. Kingdom Hearts is very obtuse and hard to penetrate. But I think if you know when you play these games, I think you the sense that you get in, in you know, for me personally, it's like Kingdom Hearts speaks to emotional truths deep within everyone. It's not the most elegant about how to like, deliver things. You know, Tetsuya Nomura, the creator uh, of the series, he's not going for like uh, the most Shakespearean tier written piece of fiction ever. But what I think he's always been striving to, always been working to with this series is that he's trying to speak to everyone's sort of emotional side to them they're very simple emotions but very true in emotions that sort of encompass everything that we as people try to do in our day-to-day lives you know we we want to find the goodness in everyone we try to combat the darkness that is always seeping inside of us all the time we try to stay true to our friends even though they are far apart or uh you know we haven't heard from them in years but you know at at the core of them, if we always hold on to those memories, we know that they are always our friends, sort of thing. They're very, uh, they're very simple stuff, but I think Kingdom Hearts is able has always been able to convey these very pure, sort of you know, pure human experiences at its core and has always delivered that for over 20 years, no matter how convoluted or complex the stories that are intertwined with all that get, you know, because kingdom hearts can get complicated to understand not even fans. Like all three of us are still is kind of like a head scratcher when they like re, you know, retcon certain things or all this stuff. But um, I, you know, kingdom hearts to me is one of the few examples of like a soap opera in motion in a game you know there's there's few examples of this in games you have like Metal Gear Solid you have Tekken you have Yakuza these sort of you know these franchises that have been going on and on and on and they can t- keep continuing the story or they do prequels or you know establishing the origin the history of it all like all these very you know back and forth sort of things, all intercrossing and intertwining with each other but kingdom hearts you know you're still you you still are seated for that ride you're still wanting to see how these characters you know Sora or Kyrie, Riku or you know Donald and Goofy how all these characters continue to fight on in seemingly increasingly more difficult odds how they have to traverse the worlds that they travel in how do they have to work together to sort of bring together all the sort of multiple characters that come and go throughout the series. Like it's so galactic in scope, but somehow some way this franchise makes sense to me, you know, kingdom hearts as uh, as nebulous as it gets uh, throughout the years, it still makes sense to me. Like, and I think because of those emotional truths, I think that's why I'm able to really enjoy it throughout the years. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is—it's like opening Pandora's box. You—you you remember all these like little things about the series. It's just like, oh god, I forgot about like you know Replicant Riku. I forgot about like that character or this character that all the characters literally forget about. But somehow, in like a game twenty years later, they're like, oh yeah, we were supposed to remember this person. Uh, it's like there's there's just a lot to unpack (laughs) I don't know else to say it there is a lot to unpack (laughs) (laughs) like it's very you know (laughs) you know Kingdom Hearts you go Taylor you go yeah
2: there's a there's something that I I don't know if you were saying it but like there's a a certain similarity has to the way that Kojima like does his storytelling where sometimes the like literal specifics don't matter in like a like canonical way (laughs) and (laughs) also in a like um in the thing that they're trying to say is super text so they're like you know uh like fragile's name is fragile uh is and then like you know uh Riku and Sora like you know uh will literally be reaching out to each other you know in like can't quite reach like everything is like super text like emotion is like displayed at 150 percent and then there's all of these like complicating details that kind of like like um uh and like NGE like you know how there's all that like technical data that's flashing all the time people are constantly talking about like you Mm -hmm. know medium reactor core is up to its maximum capacity you're not supposed to really understand all that shit and you don't have to to get the core emotions that are happening in that series but there's this kind of like I don't know uh, uh you you don't have to really get everything to I feel like connect to the series because it has it's it's a uh, heart on its, it's heart on its sleeve yeah I mean, in it, a very real way
0: yeah kingdom hearts wears its heart you know pun <laughs> intent, it, it wears it wears its heart on its sleeve and I think a lot of people are just so Sheltered from like how they feel, you know, how they want to feel about things. Like they, they mm. when you know, we're not talking about Kingdom Hearts 2, but it's like when they see the scene of where Goofy gets, you know, headshotted by a rock and all the characters think Goofy has died, and then Mickey gets like, you know, he's ready to like enact, you know, bloodthirsty revenge as v- Vim and Vigor starts playing from the soundtrack. You know, on paper, that is a arguably silly scene but like damn if i'm not excited too ready to get back in battle and try to you know (laughs) know, fight on for my friend that i've been going on this journey for hours upon hours and that's just one scene too because like a lot of people will just pull these sort of they'll pull like a lot of scenes out of context they'll pull like arguably very crucial scenes because whether it's the characters are saying something that would be deemed as cringy or funny or stupid or goofy like you know they like to point and laugh at the funny video game because it's doing something weird but because it's so true to it's just speaking to truths that everyone knows deep down or you know would li- love to believe in i think that's what has always made the series long lasting even as it gets convoluted on itself like when when kingdom hearts coded comes in you know walks in trombone music playing behind it and all it adds is all it adds to the story is like literally five minutes like you know that's kind of just like okay Tetsuya Nomura what are you doing here but I'm still on the roller coaster ride I'm just like okay this is setting up something big which I believe you know it sets up like you know future events in the series it's like, okay, I'm, I got the popcorn ready and I'm ready to just eat, you know, continue just, like, enjoying this, like, wild-ass ride that this man has taken us all on for so many years. Uh, Like, yeah. We're, <clears throat> I
1: mean, we're, I think, I, you go. yeah. No, I was just gonna say, I think, like, the series gets a bad rap, and I think that it's, like, uh, it extends beyond, you know, Kingdom Hearts, and you can talk about Disney or DreamWorks even, you know, any media that has like a primary target audience of children um, at this point, I don't know if kingdom hearts, you know, if their target is children necessarily. Uh-huh. Um, but certainly when it began, you know, yeah. that was kind of the idea um, make an accessible JRPG um, for kids using characters that, you know, they um, find popular in their movie. Yeah. Uh, in their movies through Disney. But I think like what Japan, I think understands Um, And I think Western audiences, you know, tend to really kind of reject is that children's media um, can be interesting and fun too. Like you don't not, you can't, like, it doesn't have to have something adult in it to make it something that you can experience and like enjoy for itself, which I think like a lot of times I've seen, you know, friends and in the States shy away from anything that doesn't have. Like adult themes because they feel like they're being infantilized, you know, yeah. by, by the media, right? It's like I'm being talked down to or whatever. But it's like, no, you just have to engage with the media yeah. from the point from the perspective of like, you know, your inner child, whatever. I mean, I I do believe that we all have like a you know memories and and nostalgia that we can turn back to, and it's not like you know. I kind of look at it like, you know, when you listen to a sad song, you can be a really, really happy person, but still listen to a sad song and get emotional because five years ago you were going through a really difficult time in your life. So it's kind of like, you know, being able to engage with the media where it's, you know, at the point where it's trying to talk to you. And so that's what I feel like people should try and do with Mm -hmm. like Kingdom Hearts, but in children's media in general, more broadly.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do think that is a, especially since, you know, because of the fact the series has been so long and most of the fans are now probably, you know, our age now in our late twenties, I think the, the outside observer will see that and they see like these 20 year olds obsessing over like square Enix characters and Disney characters interacting. And they just sort of see like the ridiculousness and all. And they like, you know, especially now since people are so rejecting of like Disney and all that sort of stuff, there's sort of this uh refusal to engage with it because all they see is ridiculousness or they see just something like oh this is just for kids it's just like eh," like why would i ever want to invest into something that has so that doesn't engage me as an adult like I'll say that, you know, for me, I I used to be a Kingdom Hearts hater, as it were, you know, and it took until my ex got mad at me for making fun of Kingdom Hearts for me to actually step back. And it's like, okay, I have to I need to properly understand this to, like, see why, you know, he was so passionate about the series, why so many people have invested years of their life into this franchise, why they have stuck around for so long, you know. And why they're still so invested in it now going into as they're making a new mainline entry kingdom hearts 4 coming out hopefully in the next two or three years who knows uh remains to be seen um but i think people just can't refuse to engage with something that on the surface level is meant for someone younger but at the end of the day like you said nick it's still speaking to something that can be true to what you've experienced in life it doesn't have to be in the moment you know you can it can kingdom hearts can allow you to reflect back on times when you were experiencing changes in your life you know you know kingdom hearts like you know touches on like memories or losing your friend your childhood friends or you know battling sort of you know just plain just the darkness in your heart whether it be uh just sort of like negative thoughts that enter enter in your mind sort of thing you know we've all experienced that and to some degree throughout our lives and kingdom hearts still just addresses these parts of growing up part of you know being an adult and i think nomura as a creator he speaks to he you know it's clear as day i think nomura as you know it's clear that you know he's kind of writing out sort of his own experiences in life. You know, he obviously probably endured losing friends, whether they moved away, somewhere far away, and he was missing them. You know, heck, you know, back in the day for him, that you know, it wasn't as easy as nowadays, where we can text each other and met phone call, FaceTime, whatever it might be. You know, for him, you know, it was you know probably in the seventies, you know, seventies or eighties, it's like you weren't guaranteed. The thought of like, do they still think about me? Like, you know, I I can think of like friends from my childhood when they moved away, some far somewhere far away. It's like, do they think about me still? Like, do 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 they still see me as their friend as I as I do them? And I think that's where Nomura's brilliance as a creator is. He's, you know, he's speaking through his experiences. You know, and, Kojima. And the- you know, Kojima. Like, you know, for example, Kojima. Obviously, his works. Metal Gear specifically is him sort of unpacking his father dying at a young age and sort of wrestling with these sort of facets of him growing up and having to grow up, you know, on the spot as a teenager and not sharing what he wanted to do in life. And Metal Gear is sort of the same way as I'm assuming Nomura treats Kingdom Hearts. Uh, What you were saying, Taylor, sorry.
2: Um, And I was just going to say that, and it's like a certain magic to, you know, that it is, Something special, and you know, sometimes even enough to just know that, like, you know, you are thinking of someone, and they're thinking of you too. Like, thinking of you wherever you are, like, you know, all of that, like, that shit, like, it just it hits so good that, like, you know, sometimes things are bittersweet, and sometimes, like, at the end of Kingdom Hearts One, the person you've been, you know, fo- so focused on finally reuniting with, you get to see them for a second, and then tragically, you're separated again, mm-hmm. and. You know he doesn't. I'm skipping way ahead, but he doesn't like you know get dejected at the moment. He just says like you know, uh, you know, what does he say? Like I'll find you. I promise. Yeah. Or like he just continues to be like yes, mm-hmm. like I will still find you. I you know we are still uh, destined connected. To... Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: King Kingdom Hearts, I think, is so focused. It's one of the few series that I can think of that is so, like, enveloped into the sort of emotional ups and downs of people's lives, whether in whether it be in the moment or whether they be sort of grand sort of things that we experience through our lives. And I think that's why the series can mis- withstand itself as it gets more insane in its sort of, you know, intricate little details that it adds on with every entry. I think that because <clears throat> you know, nomoros just speaking to his experiences speaking in I think also because the fact that it has Disney as a mate as arguably half of the sandwich as it as it were. I think because Disney is always there, it can always always provide sort of that like, falling back to and remembering sort of the simplicity in life when things aren't as complex as they are now as adults you know we can fall back onto these you know movies or shows or your know, properties that brought such joy and excitement to us and i think kingdom hearts because it is a square enix disney mashup i think that's kind of the magic too and heck even you can you could say that about square uh, the square enix side of kingdom hearts Because, you know, the series started in 2002 when Squaresoft was the biggest name in gaming coming out of Japan other than Nintendo, basically. So you had all these Final Fantasy properties that are like people, you know, only like five, six years ago had grown so attached to, whether it be, you know, Cloud or Sephiroth or... Squall or Yuffie or Aerith, you know, all these sort of characters that they had latched onto when they were younger or maybe they saw their brother playing too uh when they were growing up. Like there's the fact that like it's kind of like Kingdom Hearts happening when it did I think was it happened at the right time when Disney and Square were still very big prescient forces in the culture and the sort of meeting of the two has allowed it to transcend time even as like Disney and Square have kind of gone through their sort of like ups and downs and changing as companies and as uh, creators uh, in their respective fields uh, it, it's I think allowed Kingdom Hearts to be you know uh, up front in people's memories you know I think I think that as the series has progressed through so many entries and the fact that, you know, they introduce so many different Disney properties or new Final Fantasy characters or, you know, heck, in Dream Drop Distance case, it introduces the World Ends With You characters (laughs) bizarrely. Um, Like, you know, there's sort of this like omnipresent sort of like aspect of like, you know, the the simplicity of life uh, sort of thing. Like, I think Kingdom Hearts is like the ultimate anti-black pill franchise. Uh it's it's kind of has this unique power, like where it completely negates any sort of like you know, doom think that you would ever experience. Like when you scroll Twitter and it's just like all this like m- miasma of just meaningless crap. And you just like Kingdom Hearts is like, well, yeah, if you believe in yourself, you believe in the good of others, you believe in your friends, anything can happen. And that's kind of honestly like a very touching and beautiful sentiment throughout like something you rarely it, see
2: it's never too yeah. late it's like a huge theme <laughs> yes yeah yeah,
1: yeah it, exactly i think it's like i mean it's very disney movie right it's like the the villain you know sometimes and i think it it is good to have like a bad um villain that's just purely bad you think of like hades or whatever Mm-hmm. Um, where there's no ambiguity essentially there. I think from a storytelling perspective, um, it's effective and it can be very fun, you know, if they're just purely evil. Mm-hmm. But I think Disney movies always kind of have a conceit of, okay, well, yeah, they're purely bad, but at the same time, they could become good. You know, and that's kind of what Kingdom Hearts is. It's like, yeah, this person is is so far lost but they, at the end of the day, could actually become good at some point, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think it's, like, when I say, you know, I feel like the series has informed my way of thinking as an adult, I do really feel like I took that, those lessons to heart, (coughs) whereas now, you know, I would get, you know, I, I, I have gotten pushback in the past for being too, like, um, you know, the, the specific thing that I can remember is that I made some posts after the 2016 election. And I was like, we cannot paint people who voted, you know, for Trump with this broad brush of they're all racist and white supremacists, And I, you know, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Because I, I firmly believe in like the good of people at the end of the day. So it's mm-hmm. like, I see people saying like, oh, they're beyond saving, you know, mm-hmm. even if, you know, I don't, Agree with them. It's like no, like if if somebody is beyond saving, then mm. then then there's no use in viewing them as a person, right? Yeah. And I think that's like what Sora always goes back to. It's like everybody at the end of the day can become good, you know, yeah. if they believe in themselves and yeah. the good of others. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> oh Man, Sora is the ultimate like uh, ray of light <laughs> in everything. Oh that boy that boy has no no even though the series says like everyone has a little bit of darkness in and Sora does not um and that's kind of mm-hmm. the joy uh even though I only got into the series in the last handful of years I definitely think that like uh Kingdom Hearts somehow some way has like like uh off in behind the curtains have been like sort of my sort of viewpoint on things it's like there always is a way sort of thing. It's like, there's always a way to do something like even in the face of seemingly insurmountable obstacles that are faced in front of you. There is just, you know, the fact that you can believe in yourself, the fact that you can always rely on Mm -hmm. people that you love and are your friends, you can do it no matter what. And I think that's very there's something there there literally is something magical to that especially in the day and age where it's just like a lot of games have very they don't concern themselves with sort of like this uh, black and white representations it's always like oh there's like the goal you know there's the gray area in our characters like Mm -hmm. they're both good and bad and you know all this it's like I, i you know I don't care like kingdom hearts you know it paints everything black and white and like that is mm-hmm. kind of kind of like you know refreshing in day in this day and age of media where it's just like we have to have these morally ambiguous characters or this character you're not supposed to like or something you know all this sort of stuff it's like well i don't care it's like i want to i want to go on my my journey with sora donald and goofy and mm-hmm. go on the gummy ship and go uh uh, watch uh, elsa sing uh, let it go in the background <laughs> totally not insert it in like in it. Uh, mm-hmm. or you know in you know, you know speaking of kingdom hearts you know just cuz it's like the most main, mainline recent mainline entry it's like i want to go with sora donald goofy into the toy story world like there's like right. just a pure there's just pure like childhood fun associated with that you know, I I'm not like too concerned about all the like little things that people want to like nitpick and point and make fun of. So sort of. it's like, well, it's like you're telling me you don't want to like go into these like movies that you loved growing up. You're telling me you don't want to go through these like adventures and interact with these characters that you grew up on uh, in all these sorts of movies. And you're telling me you don't want this. Like, come, are, like I don't know. You know, it seems like people are just like denying truths it's like you're, t- I, I, <laughs> you're telling me i can go in the jungle with tarzan and go on log sliding or i can go uh have join aladdin in agrabah or you know all these like little things it's like
2: ride the magic carpet through the cave of wonders like come on yeah
0: like you always to- wanted to do that <coughs> and
2: now you get to do it and you know uh run into like pillars of fire like yeah or you
0: know like in you know for, even though we're not talking about it, kings of hearts too like the fact that the first world of that game is uh, Mulan, and I love Mulan Mm -hmm. growing up, and I was like, you know, I get to experience going through like that part of that movie, and another thing too, is like Kingdom Hearts embraces its aesthetics that it's like into, it's not just sort of this like anime-esque aesthetic like when they go into certain Disney worlds, they embrace the aesthetics, like the Nightmare Before Christmas world everything has this like hand-stitched uh you know character look akin to the movies or you know the Mulan world everything you know the explosions are done akin to the to the movie or you know in the toy story mm-hmm. world they all look like toys from the pixar movies like there's a kingdom hearts like embraces it's like it embraces the fact that it is like it has the carte blanche to be a disney property so it like just goes full force and just like revels in that whether it be just recreating the plot of the movie or creating unique in original stories with these, you know, these properties too. Like there's just like a bliss to it all. Like very, you know, very few games can just like elicit that pure, like unfiltered joy of that all. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like <clears throat> mine, you know, if you, even if you excluded like the kingdom hearts shenanigans that happen throughout these games, like honest, you know, just on a pure game aspect of it, it's like, damn, this is fun. I get to like do you know, summon magic and do summons and bring summon in like Stitch as a as a character to help me for five seconds. Like there's just like pure fun with that. I can't believe there's people who are resistant to it because of like it's it's Final Fantasy meets Disney
1: well, they don't want to be branded as a Disney adult, which, fair. I can understand. <laughs> it's hard I to you points together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um.
2: yeah. Um. <coughs> I do think, like, especially when it comes to the, the gameplay stuff, as you're saying, as, like, is it just being a competent action RPG? Like, in this era of PS2, like, they, they like, solved action RPGs in with the, like, rough framing of Final Fantasy, like Magic also included. Like, this I mean we can talk about it more later but like this game introduced me to just the conventions of like how stats are set up and like ability points and all that sort of thing uh just generally in jrpgs and the way they introduce it to you is you get a sword at the beginning that looks like funny and you get to hit like stuff with it like that's your Mm -hmm. the way you fight and there's levels of you know complexity to it people kind of you know joke oh press x to win but uh it ends up becoming a pretty like competent like action rpg especially when you get to some of the like hidden bosses and the oh, yeah. like, colosseum stuff like it's a very competent game and it's like final fantasy 15 had so much money and still had one of <laughs> the most like the least playable action rpg or the least fun gameplay for me at least <laughs> action yeah. rpgs i've ever played and it's True. like how did kingdom hearts 1 just like <laughs> nailed, nail it? nailed it 14 nailed it. years ago it's like <laughs> uh
0: 15 oh boy 15 uh but yeah no you're (laughs) you're totally right the kingdom hearts for being very pioneering in a sense for being like an action rpg it very much is a great way to understand final fantasy mechanics it's great in sort of teaching you very slowly and very naturally how to like layer on abilities and mechanics and it's very great in teaching you how like a game works too it's it's not like upfront about everything but the things that it does really does make you appreciate it and you know the fact that they fill each game with like bonus material to sort of test your skills you know whether it be the secret bosses in the first game or in uh, two there's the data or the data organization fights which are fucking insane uh levels of difficulty but they're completely doable but
2: uh <clears throat> um, the platforming stuff in final mix of like the cavern of remembrance like yeah uh, <laughs> yeah it's you know the final or kingdom hearts is
0: it's a great way to just learn how all of this, all this like seemingly foreign concepts can actually work for people. And I don't know, like, even something with like Kingdom Hearts one, which is very archaic, especially nowadays, it still feels competent, still feels really well thought out. They were, they really were thinking things through about how to make something engaging and fun for a long stretch of time. And I, yeah, I mean, even even excluding the sort of like emo you know emotional themes and all that, Kingdom Hearts is just fun. Even even when the series can get a little bit too experimental at moments, I always could appreciate like that they're always thinking of something u- new new u- unique and fun, whether it be like Birth by Sleep having the shot lock mechanic or Chain of Memories having the card game system or i got some
2: words on the card game (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll get
0: we'll get to that um uh or like dream drop distance having flow motion and the drop mechanic which you know some people love some people hate We'll you know eventually we'll get to dream drop distance uh or you know um i'm trying to think like or just hell i mean kingdom hearts 2 being as immaculate as it is like redefining what an action rpg could be and seemingly every other one afterwards not coming to its level, uh, which is incredible. I mean, yeah, the Kingdom Hearts is just fun as fun as hell. Like there's there's so much to unpack with every entry, uh, that from gameplay to story to themes, what have you. I mean, there's so much to just soak in.
2: Open <laughs> your heart.
0: Yeah, Let open Kingdom... your heart to yeah. open your heart to Kingdom Hearts, goddamn it. I mean, uh, that's
1: why I think we have girl so many girl gamers in the in the series, right? Is oh yeah. It? I wouldn't say it's less. It's, I mean, it is partially Disney, but yeah. I remember Kingdom Hearts one. It was a huge hit for like boys, mm-hmm. um, and I think girls as well. But I remember like specifically a lot of boys talking about playing Kingdom Hearts. Oh yeah. Um, and it is a very boy centric story, right? You're you're essentially saving the damsel in distress, like very classic. You know, mm-hmm. Anita Skars, again, whatever her name is, you know, would get upset with, with um, how the characters are laid out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a very boy game. But I think because it did have the Disney characters, like, you know, there were girls who wanted to play it. And it does have the accessibility of, like, kind of teaching you how to play more complicated games. I tried to play Final Fantasy X right before I played Kingdom Hearts. And I had to give up because when I was, like, maybe you know, I don't know how old I was, but maybe I was like eight or nine or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was my first time playing. And I remember I couldn't proceed. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like hesitant to play Kingdom Hearts because I remember it was from the same developer, but it did have like that very um, low level of low barrier of entry. So I think that's how you get like, you know, girl gamers like who (laughs) are really into the series. I think then now they probably make up the majority of the fans almost. Yeah.
0: yeah kingdom yeah. hearts is one of the rare franchises where i would say there is a 50 50 split in terms of fans mm-hmm. uh you know, male and female uh i think you know you mix disney with like cute twinkie final fantasy anime yeah. boys and girls like talking about their feelings uh i think that is a recipe for success and you know uh, that but that's also just something fun about it too is that uh everybody can get into it I mean I had a one of my friends in high school too he was telling me like when he was telling me um when like Kingdom Hearts 3 got finally revealed in 2013 he was telling me about how like you know how much time he had put into like Kingdom Hearts 1 Kingdom Hearts 2 all these games and he's like how much it meant to him. And of course, back in the time I didn't think much about it, but like, you know, the fact that he had a personal connection to it all. And the fact that he had been waiting, you know, at that point, seven years, too bad. He would have to wait another seven years, basically, or six years uh, to get cage three. But, you know, you can talk to so many people, whether they're male or female, about how much this series means to them like they have kingdom hearts fans are truly devoted fans like they know so much about the games they know all the what these characters are doing what they're feeling what they've gone through like there's such a personal connection to these you know to you know whether it be sora or Kyrie, riku uh or uh, Roxas, Sheon, Axel—you know, you 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 could, you could name, you could just drop so many characters. You know, uh, Ventus, Aqua, Terra—like, you know, again, there's so many characters that everyone has such like, you know, they've they've latched onto as like, I get this character and I know like what they go through in these games is like touches me on a personal level, and yeah, I mean, there's. there there, there's so much to really enjoy about this franchise and you know hopefully (coughs) hopefully through this long series that i'm planning that people will wake up and give this give these games a shot you no longer have the excuse to say that all these games are on multiple systems all the games are now on one collection now (laughs) your excuses don't mean anything anymore to me uh they're on the the story so far uh, collection all these kingdom hearts games are now all together in one package you have no more excuses saying i can't play uh three five eight days over two because it's a ds game guess what they put it on the ps4 technically well
2: you still can't play it like, you can't play it, it. You, you can <laughs> play it but
0: you get the gist you get the which gist. i will
2: argue does not give you the full experience but we'll get to that when you we get, get to true.
0: i will argue too but you know You can you know you can you can play most of the series and get and get the gist of it now nowadays. It's all there. So you can't give me that excuse anymore. Um you know, you, you the you know the the cards are on the table uh for you to experience this franchise. And sure, like is Kingdom Hearts for everybody? Hell no. No one's gonna all agree that like Kingdom Hearts is for them, but I what I am saying to people who are listening. It the time is now to give this series a chance because you know one chapter of this story has been complete and they're about to go to another one. And do you want to have to play like another saga of games to understand what is going on? I don't think you do. Uh, So it's time to get on the roller coaster
2: ride, or else you're going to get left behind even more so than you were before. Um, But Yeah. yeah. There's something I, I wanted to point out when Nick pointed with uh with Kyrie and like that being kind of like a it being a boys game because there's this damsel in distress kind of thing, but there's also immediately introduced this really, uh, it didn't like I guess I like you know connected to it probably because I was gay too, but there's this like connection with Riku of like this competitive friend who you're both really close to, but also you're kind of in this like. Um, unsure of how you stand with each other and you're both growing like apart but at the same time like uh, desperate to stay connected and like that and it could even you know or having a friend that is like slowly you know you don't like the way that they're changing as you grow up like that's like a really uh, it, it already has kind of it's, it starts off with really interesting uh kind of archetypes being explored and then of course you know mm-hmm. it extrapolates but I always thought that the Riku combination of uh having these two friends who like you kind of fell out of uh or or miss or having issues with in different ways like the kind of like compare and contrast between this like you know girl uh you know love interest and then this like you know bro character that you like are are, uh bonded to but also like you know he's becoming someone different quite literally (laughs) yeah there, there, there is definitely
0: like a you know us three gay men here we can speak to like you know the Sora Riku pairing that everyone loves uh, but there is like a a very true like emotional thing you know growing attached to someone who you know in the case of Sora and Riku who've been friends since they were kids on Destiny Islands and like seeing them grow and change over the years and how much they care for each other too like Hell, if you you know the reaction Sora has to finally finding Riku in Kingdom Hearts Two, and he's like crying his eyes out, like more so than he when he finds Kyrie. There's like a there's like a especially when you're younger too. It's like this very sweet and honor, honest emotional feeling for your friend that like you know I think is a very touching thing too. Like these two guys just like having like their emotional moments with each other growing so close to each other through the years that, like, I don't know, for me as a gay man, I'm just like, oh, that's so cute. That's so tender. And then you're thinking of Kairi, who's, like, you know, on the sideline doing something uh, as she does. She's just do- not doing much. Uh, the <laughs> most the most, uh, forgotten character in the series. But, you know, hey, what can you do? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I guess to wrap up, Kingdom Hearts or this like what is Kingdom Hearts for this for this episode only I mean Kingdom Hearts is a lot of things but I think what it is at its core is this very earnest story of growing up this earnest story of friendship and love and battling the forces you know the thoughts that are inside your head whether they be good or bad and you know finding the good in people Learning to, you know, accept who people are for who they are, you know, it's this soap opera of emotions that is very beautiful to experience. And I think, I think people need to be more open with this franchise. You know, it's it's high time that you just sit your ass down and listen and play, you know, and experience Kingdom Hearts for what it is. I mean, do you guys have anything else before we get into the games of tonight?
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, I just agree completely. It is one of those things where, you know, you just got to sit your ass down and, and play the game, you know.
0: Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, Taylor, do you have anything to say? Or are we, uh, we good to go into? the I game? I have room? too much to say.
2: I think we should <laughs> get going because I got, I got too many specifics. I don't want to get sidetracked. <laughs> uh, well, fair enough. So I think
0: that will transition, transition us into the first of three games tonight, which is... Kingdom Hearts 1. First game of tonight uh is kingdom hearts one uh originally came out uh it's actually i didn't i did not plan this but the japanese release date is march 28th 2002 so we're almost at the 21st anniversary tonight but it came out in america september 17th 2002 it was a ps2 exclusive back in the day uh it was the result of a chance meeting between uh, a Squaresoft, you know, the Square Enix back in the day was no Squaresoft, a Squaresoft uh, executive and a Disney executive in an elevator saying, what if we combine the two Reese's Reese's cup style? And uh, from there uh, created a, one of the largest video game franchises kingdom hearts, one is the 10th highest selling 10th highest selling PS2 game of all time uh it was you know it birthed a franchise uh, everyone has beloved memories of this game uh they you know i think i think it's fair to say that even as time has gone on kingdom hearts 1 still people think back fondly of it you know the first shot of a action rpg mo- combining final fantasy and disney properties into one unique original story it was very very different at the time very unique i mean the fact the game opens on you know simple and clean by utada uh that should have just signaled like how unique this experience was going to be with that beautiful cgi opening that became a trend throughout the series having an utada song with a cgi movie and it's just going to be you know it's gonna be something good. Um, can,
2: we, can we point out that it is also the Planet B remix of Simple and Clean? <laughs> yeah. It is. It is not just Simple and Clean. It is the Cunty Boots dance remix. <laughs> fucking <laughs> Utada voguing down the Mickey Mouse runway, <laughs> and it uh, it it set my soul on fire <laughs> when I first yeah. saw this. Like very like extremely surreal cutscene. Oh yeah, To a dance track of this person I've never heard Utada at that point um, yeah. So it was very Very eye opening <laughs> Yeah <laughs> I mean
0: yeah. This, is, this was like a lot of people's Exposure to Utada in America uh, I, I wish she you I... weren't
2: at her Sephora gig <laughs>
0: Yeah <laughs> exactly uh, Which by the way I love in the manual Of the first game it actually has the Lyrics to the song uh, oh. In the game uh uh with you know one of numero's classic sora drawings next to it i have one of the limited edition uh art book uh yeah <laughs> of I, it. Um, uh, but yeah i mean yeah uh kingdom hearts is really you know it's there's a lot to get into with this this the first entry in the series so i think i think to start off you know uh I'll ask you guys what your sort of history with the first game and what you think of the first game. So I'll, I'll start with you, Taylor. What do you? What are your thoughts
2: on Kingdom Hearts 1? Uh Kingdom Hearts 1 is uh, such a success for almost everything it tries. Uh, a lot of the other games make choices that <laughs> I both love how wild the choices are, but when they don't work for you particularly, uh, it can become kind of a slog. Kingdom Hearts 1... It might be one of, and I'll say it might be more balanced of a game than Kingdom Hearts Two. Kingdom Hearts Two has a lot of, it starts to get some of the feature creep weirdness, uh, yeah. that I associate with the later parts of the games. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but Kingdom Hearts One, um, talk about the original settings that it it makes of Destiny Island, Traverse Town, uh, Hollow Bastion, like the the Kingdom Hearts uh, and not basically the not Disney and not mm-hmm. Square Enix locations. Um, Some of the best like 3D PS2 Mm -hmm. atmosphere places to explore the feeling of ending up like in Traverse Town and down that dark alley and then coming around the corner to this like candle lit like permanent (coughs) nighttime village area like, uh, I don't know just Kingdom Hearts one is just such a such a success. it is kind of hard to figure out where to fully talk about, but I think the, the environments really stick out to me, and this one is, like, mm-hmm. really superb. Yeah. Uh,
0: and then, Nick, what Nick, what do you think of Kingdom Hearts 1?
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that I'm able to, like, go back to Kingdom Hearts 1 and replay it, like, from start to finish in 2023, 2022, like, I think is a testament to how fully formed of a game it was, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because, like, try to do that with um, other, like, RPGs of the Mm -hmm. era. And it can be very difficult to, like, get through a lot of those games. Um, I think of, like, Pokemon, for example. If you try to go back and play Pokemon Gold and Silver, like, the nostalgia factor is there. But, like, you very quickly realize, like, oh, they did a lot of, like, um, you know, improvements on the system. That actually mattered for you to like enjoy modern pokemon for example Mm -hmm. um but with kingdom hearts i think it's really just like the gummy ship (laughs) that's like wow i really hate this system (laughs) that is like a slog to get through Um... so like you know i think i had mentioned it (laughs) but like um before but i really feel like the uh, it did feel like fully formed and that it didn't feel like oh I didn't have the cynical feeling that I sometimes got when I played the later entries mm-hmm. um, where it's like, yeah, they're, of course they have like, Elsa singing, let it go. And kingdom hearts three, <laughs> you know, like, okay, I understand why they're doing this in kingdom hearts. You know, for me, it's like that game just feels like fully formed. It arrived. It had like a message that it wanted to say, and it said it really well. Yeah. And I think contextually, <laughs> Like in the in the series, you know, it is one of those games where it's like very very simple. Yeah. So that's why I like it is because you you can like as a Kingdom Hearts fan, especially go back and play Kingdom Hearts one and be like, oh yeah, it was nice when there wasn't like so much lore that I had to bear in mind while I'm playing through this game. You know, like it is very very linear, very simple. So mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate that aspect of the game. Although I, you know, think Kingdom Hearts 2 is the you know best version of in the series. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh Kingdom Hearts 1 is definitely the simplest game in the series to come back to. Um yeah, you know, it like you said, there's only like really one bad part about the game, it's the gummy ship. Uh less said about the gummy ship, the better in this game, I think. Um I think a lot of people are hyperbolic about this game's issues, namely it the fact that it feels heavy. And nowadays, uh, I don't really see that as a problem. It can get a little annoying at parts, like with the platforming where Sora has his like weird monkey jump. Uh, like yeah. <laughs> that. I mean, that's manageable, like you know. But Kingdom Hearts One does not feel antiquated. It doesn't feel bad to control whatsoever. You know, for a first-time effort for this style of game, they did they they thought of a lot of things, and it it feels very pure to the obviously because it's the first game. It feels very pure to the vision still. So you know, when it kicks off the sort of events of the game where you have that dream sequence at the beginning of games where Sora's on the on the stained glass uh, princesses and you're learning the mechanics and you're getting these like vague statements about the hard and darkness and light it still f- doesn't feel like uh like the the baggage of the series has been formed so you're like able to kind of ingest it still um but i love kingdom hearts 1 i i think that's kind of a kind of a hot take especially amongst fans where they kind of are mid on the game but i think it's still Achieves what it sets out to right from the get-go. Like in terms of getting the ball rolling, Kingdom Hearts One does a great job at it. Uh, <clears throat> I some people hate the intro of the game, but I love Destiny Islands. Uh, it's such a great little intro. Uh, it has a very nostalgic thing for me of like that era of gaming where it's all these these beach settings. Like so many games mm. beat, had beaches and man do i ever want to just like go to destiny islands and you know play blitzball uh on the on the island and play play do that like uh, very very difficult race with riku um which I you th- hate back- which you
2: think you you think you'll
1: like you're an adult and you go back and play and you're like now i will win and it's and still like no, no you, <laughs> you're not going to win
0: yeah you're it, not going to win the race it's like that 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 race with riku still is like a bitch it's like are you kidding me uh like when that one platform just suddenly collapses on you yes. it's like are you are you kidding me like i forgot about that still and then i don't get to name the raft after what i want it to like, oh, like just
2: name it high wind whatever yeah well, <laughs> you, you know,
0: riku can get what he wants who cares <laughs> um but i i i really do love the intro because it's it it really just sort of establishes the rules. It it gets enough of the Kingdom Hearts mumbo jumbo, going where you're, but it's not like that's sort of like, it's not like the heavy handed stuff that gets later in the series. It's more just like, oh hey, Kyrie just faded through my body as she just like vanished from existence. Riku now is like, uh, I'm not afraid of the darkness as you fight dark the uh, dark side boss uh, as the islands are being ripped apart uh i i really that that intro gets the ball going really great and then it leads like you said taylor into traverse town which is like one of my favorite hub areas in a game ever uh traverse town and twilight town are both wonderful like get your bearings straight locations uh they're very there's like this very old charm to it and very disney charm to it like even if they mm. are like original, their original levels made for these games they still very elicit that disney charm out of them like the old in like traverse town like the the you know dimly lit town with that theme you know uh it know. very oh
2: yeah i
0: know <laughs> feel, yeah feels very home like it's a it's like my 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 Disney world from my own imagination type thing, which is you know, Kingdom Hearts one does that very well it melds Disney and Square Enix very well if I might say like it balances the two things very well which some later entries do not balance it very well uh, I'm looking at Kingdom Hearts 3 for example um, but yeah I mean it's such... There's a lot to take in, but at the same time, like it really elicits this very simplistic, like we're going on an adventure to save our friends. And mm-hmm. going through that journey through the Disney Worlds, through Wonderland or Deep Jungle, or through Atlantica or Agraba, like there's there's a very true and like exciting as a kid I'm going on an adventure and I'm going to these worlds of my imagination and they're a little too close to Disney properties, but it's like in this one, it's Disney properties. Like mm. there's, there's, <laughs> there's such a <laughs> pure charm to that all. And I love just the bonding that Sora, Donald and Goofy have. It's very important to say it in that order. Um, because yeah. <laughs> this is another weird little quirk that the series has, but uh the fact that Donald and Goofy as very weird thing, you know, characters to have as your party members, they somehow work in this game too. Like Donald Duck being my healer, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, he's not a good healer, mind you. He's kind of a shit healer. But mm-hmm. hey, I believe him as a mage. And then Donald being like your tank or whatever, your your attack, your attacker, that also makes sense in this universe. Like I I, I don't have any sort of barrier that blocks me to enjoy that. Like, it all makes sense. Uh, and it's very charming and fun just to have, like, uh, just this, like, simple game loop of, like, having these, like, basic Keyblade attacks, being able to cast magic. It's so pure and delightful to go through. Really, it is uh, through these worlds, which are very well recreated. From their movies. Like,
2: I think some levels are better than others, but they do a very good job. Yeah, totally. There's something also about Traverse Town that I, and um, well, I guess you do less than Twilight Town, but like, something I love about the game design is that you do still actually need it as kind of a hub world, especially for the first part of the game when you can't warp to worlds. So you end up going back there to like move along a uh, larger plot in the game like characters will like convene in like a house in the third district towards the end of the game where you like will have like a serious discussion like it's um it's treated as kind of a um from what i understand there's also something about the lore of Traverse Town being a place where if people's worlds are lost to the darkness yeah. they just end mm-hmm. up there. Which yeah. It always has this kind of cute Home of misfit toys vibe to it mm-hmm. yeah um and uh yeah I just I think I mean it might be fun to go around and see what people's uh favorite and least favorite worlds are because there's a lot to talk about I don't think we have to talk mm-hmm. about all of them but like I do think some superlatives uh would be interesting because I for I for one for instance have a real hard time with the swimming mechanic and mm-hmm. m- yeah moderately the flying mechanic that gets introduced in the later half is not my favorite because. It like interrupts all the combo stuff that you built being able to touch the ground uh-huh. um but that's yeah that's a later <laughs> discussion
0: too I, I think my favorite world is the night before christmas level it's, just just because of the whole aesthetic because it embraces the look of the movie mm-hmm. like sora you know, the your your crew gets like all unique outfits based like that make them mold and meld with the universe of that world and i don't know i I like that they also kind of weave their own original story with it where they're trying to create a heart uh and it's not like a one-to-one retelling of the movie i think my least favorite is deep jungle i don't like deep jungle Mm, i really i I don't like oh i don't like all the platforming and all the
2: backtracking back and forth. mechanically i get it but also i i got like kind of stuck in deep jungle for a while so i spent so much time there that i've like trauma bonded to like the vine (laughs) section
3: yeah
2: Yeah, there's there's parts of deep
0: jungle i like i like i like doing the the log sliding like that's a great recreation the treehouse
2: set piece is super cool like the like jumping out to that raft uh thing learning you can like climb up and around it and like yeah uh i don't know it it's it's a very uh, that level has a lot of weird flagging stuff that yeah. this game does have a little bit of jank in the like sometimes you have to just go do a certain order of in yeah. and out of certain rooms and that's how you progress the story they got yeah. way better about that into where they literally just tell you this is the next thing to do just do yeah. finish this task yeah um, I yeah but that deep, I don't hate deep
0: jungle I just get like lost very easily it all all looks it, it all looks very similar which you know it's like it's a jungle setting and it's ps2 it can do a lot of unique looks but it can't differentiate the levels per se as like later entries do where they they do i think they do a better job at funneling you down the path and making rooms all look distinct from each other so I, you know, I endure Deep Jungle. Let's just put that. And it's funny that the playthrough is on Deep Jungle right now, uh, on the TV right now as I'm speaking about it. It's like it knows I'm talking about it. Um, but yeah, what I guess, you know, Nick, what's your favorite and least favorite uh, world of Kingdom Hearts 1?
1: I would have to say, I mean, so... Yeah, I think actually Traverse Town is my favorite um, world. I mean, you, there's not a lot that you do there. I mean, there's a lot that you do there in regards to, like, advancing the story, um, but it's, you know, it only really has like, as far as, you know, boss battles or whatever, it on, it really only has um, that, uh, you know, the boss battle before you lock the um, heart of the world, right? Um, and but I think just from a nostalgia factor, like it really kind of, you know, that is like the one world that I get to and I hear the music and it's like, okay, I can like relax. Like I'm playing Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, I, I really like the aesthetic as well. Yeah. So I'm sad that we haven't gotten like a Kingdom Hearts 3, um, like high fidelity version of like Twilight Town, because I think that would be spectacular you, uh-huh. know, fi- you know my, you know I, my favorite world of all time is Twilight Town. I think, yeah, um, and so like it was criminal that in Kingdom Hearts three we didn't get something fully fledged. But I hope that at some point <laughs> Kingdom in the series, 4. yeah, we'll get <laughs> something like maybe a Twilight Town and a Traverse Town that is mm-hmm. like this high fidelity thing because I think like yeah, the Traverse Town of all of the worlds in Kingdom Hearts one for sure like, where would I most like to spend my time, you know, um, if I had, like, if it was just, like, me actually being able to go there, it would be Traverse Town, um, Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, agreed, um, with, uh, Atlantica, um, you know, the, it was just very, very difficult for me. (coughs) I, I, even, even today, like, um, now, when I, we'll play the game again i still get lost
3: <laughs> on like where i'm
1: supposed to go in atlantica i don't know i don't i i think that the deep jungle is just like you can still also get lost too but yeah. i think I, i've it's it's differentiated enough that i have like been able to kind of understand mm-hmm. where i should be going Atlantica. Yeah. i still get i still get messed up
0: yeah I, w- I would agree i mean atlantica and deep jungle i think are definitely the stinkers of the game like and like but again it's not like they're atrocious levels by any means mm, they're right they're just kind of bland and that you know uh, like the always the trapping of a rp you know an rpg is when like levels start to bleed together and they all look the same then you get lost, and the game's not clear about where you have to go. Like that—that's mm-hmm. always kind of like the annoying part, especially older games too, where you know they didn't have the resources to sort of make things different and all that stuff. Yeah. unfortunately, Atlantica got worse in Kingdom Hearts too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but that's for a later day. Um, but I mean, I, what I what I
1: can say about Atlantica, I'll give it some points. Is when I was ten years old. Playing kingdom hearts one for the first time seeing sora shirtless was a part <laughs> of some gay awakening he was like, oh. so i was <laughs> like all right yeah i'll 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 play this even though this level is <laughs> optional i'll play this level just so i can get some nice cutscenes.
0: nick in
2: front of the tv saying i feel funny exactly uh yeah the the one last disney level um i wanted to mention was just uh neverland because this is an ongoing Mm -hmm. thing about the way that neverland is depicted and i actually really like uh what you it's not a good depiction of of neverland but like of using the peanut of using jesus christ of (laughs) using the peter pan Uh, characters and stuff I I just enjoy the like kind of labyrinth inside of the pirate ship and then like the <laughs> boss battles you do on it and then like the vibe of floating around the clock tower is so nice and that was always my late game save and so like whenever mm-hmm. I would boot up my old PS2 copy of Kingdom Hearts I would just be like hit with that like beautiful music you're like fl- like mm-hmm. hovering in the night sky above London um, mm-hmm. there's just this really surreal amount of abstraction between like the place you're at and like the distance, you know, city and stuff. Like, I don't know. It's Big a very ben surreal. Like, yeah. I think
1: it was like the, at the PS2 Kingdom Hearts one graphic, like capability level. I think it like looks the best. I remember like being like, wow, this looks really good. Yeah. For, like, a, you know, everything, everything <laughs> else. I mean, I, I guess it, it exists in real life. So you get that structure. And I also like, I also really like Neverland, but I, I kind of like it for the uh, like world breaking type of like ideas. Like, okay, Kingdom Hearts 1 is set in this like fake world, but there it has Big Ben and there's, it's clearly <laughs> London. And the real also humans they say, exist. <laughs> right, real humans exist. And there's this ship that they say is flying through space next alongside the gummy ship but then it's its own separate world like those are the type of things that you know maybe Nomura nowadays would have like taken into consideration of the impacts <laughs> down the line but like yeah. you know at that time it wasn't something that was really you know fully thought out of so i kind of enjoyed <laughs> that aspect of it as well
0: uh yeah also i i me personally i also love uh hollow bastion and uh mm-hmm. the end of the world uh those are two great final levels of the game because aesthetically they're gorgeous like just you know mm. hollow bastion being that ginormous castle and it's just so foreboding and kind of creepy and you know just you feel like you're entering kind of like you know i mean literally you are you're ending kind of like the evil castle Of the Kingdom Hearts universe, and then the the end of the world is just beautiful, like abstract, you know, just broken parts of worlds, just in this like purple, you know, never ending uh, landscape. Uh, I always, I mean, and plus the music, you know, that's another thing too. Uh, Oh, Yoko (laughs) Shimamura going, uh, going. Uh, for one, Yoko Shimomura she's one of my fate she's one of if not my favorite composers in games uh she's responsible for so many iconic things i mean she she's the mind behind like Chun-Li's theme in Street Fighter 2 and Guile's theme she's done the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga soundtracks she's done uh so many games and Kingdom Hearts is kind of her like magnum opus and uh, there's so many just amazing pieces of music in this game. And then granted, I'm gonna save the one music when we get to three, five, eight. Uh yeah. yeah. As, but um yeah, yokoshima Yokoshimura's. Yeah, the Yoko music is f- phenomenal in this game. Like, you know, that's a constant throughout the series. Like the yeah, music yeah. is always gonna be amazing, but like I love the music of Kingdom Hearts One. It's such such a delightful time just hearing all these like you know, themes for the movies and then, like, the battle themes for each world. Like, there's such
2: a a, a clear attention detail even down to the music, uh, which I love. I was able to see the uh, orchestra tour that came to New York City uh, Mm -hmm. where she was there and the audience was, like, not used to an orchestra and was, like, all, like, nerds who were (laughs) screaming and cheering (laughs) every time a song would start. And so all of these like professional musicians were looking like really like um, <laughs> surprised and like not knowing how to deal with like when Vector to the heavens, the final like uh like big triumphant part comes in. Everyone literally was like screaming and standing up in their seats and shit. And it was like it was really cool. They looked yep. really uh, excited to be able to play that stuff live. And it oh, was I mean, beautiful. what yeah. else? Oh, You go next. Sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say the I
1: mean this is uh on a video game podcast saying this um but actually my ex-boyfriend, my first boyfriend in Tokyo that I did for about three years, I'm still close with him um, <laughs> is uh is a developer on one of uh, on one of the games that has always used Yokoshimauraura as uh-huh. the composer one of the directors actually uh, um okay. and uh so i actually have for my best friend's um christmas present one year i had um i had him get her to autograph something oh, to him oh my and God. so that was my present Ooh. to him but uh, i'll i'll share some tea around your <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> uh according to my ex, she's one of the most difficult people to work with because she's never on time. <laughs> really? So, um, yeah, yeah. So like I it's funny for me as a fan because I grew up like l- like listening to, I specifically have memories of me listening to the Atlantica battle music, which I do actually like um, you know, quite a lot um in middle school in like the you know jazz band um mm-hmm. that i was in you know i was a piano player one of two so when i didn't have to play the piano i would sit in the back of the room and listen to kingdom hearts um soundtrack on repeat <laughs> so like <laughs> i have been a massive fan of yoko Shimoda, so it was kind of like a you know bringing down to earth when i was like i can't understand why you don't like her and um, he was like, "Well, you don't work with her." You know? and I was like, "Okay, well, yeah, fair point, fair point." But I'm trying to, I'm trying to find, yeah, like exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm like I, I, I will take a delay in a video game if it means that we get like good Yoko um music. But I do have to say that when I found out that she was um, that there was like time constraints around the music in kingdom hearts three and that's why we got like some of the music that was written by other composers i was yeah. like huh mm. <laughs> you know
0: uh that, i mean that makes sense uh but to, you know to she can make even the most you know for example she can turn a piece of shit like final fantasy 15 and make it actually kind of cool because she did the music for that game and the music she did for that game is fantastic and it's like yeah. wow that's I mean, the one good is thing really that's, nice. that's like the one good thing about Final Fantasy
2: 15 is the music she did uh the lighting is pretty I will say Final Fantasy 15 your lighting is pretty <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> we found two good things in this game uh
0: Meanwhile, I have to push a car listening to Florence and the machine. Oh, go fuck yourself. I,
2: I really like that cover actually. Oh <laughs> you're,
0: you're telling me that you enjoyed having to push a car two feet to that song. Oh listen, mother. Kingdom
2: Hearts has me in the mood to accept <laughs> and move forward in life with love. So uh Wonder- maybe maybe pushing the car is good. Oh. Um, one one day
0: I will say properly why I hate that game, but we're not but uh, the point being yoko shibamura you know everything she touches is gold and you know i can i can literally right now hear the destiny islands theme playing in my head you know like that is so ingrained into my mind that like catchy island beat that is just worms its way into your head and becomes like a little like you know (laughs) parasite in your brain it's like do do do
2: do 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 do
0: do, 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 yeah. the, like, um,
2: <laughs> dearly beloved <the> <laughs> title, <laughs> my god I the I fucking god. game dearly beloved it's, one of the most beautiful pieces of music also the ways that she extrapolates on it in like Kingdom Hearts 3 the way that they like
0: that was grander. one of the most beautiful
2: things about the whole kingdom game Kingdom Hearts Kingdom Hearts 3 was just the way that they redid dearly beloved again with this kind of you know Full. counterpoint melody to it yeah i mean dearly beloved i think
0: is beloved is such it's such a great way to just get you into the mood it has this very beautiful melancholy to it it's very soft and sincere tender it's i mean what else can I be what else can be said about dearly beloved i'm sure that beloved i'm sure everyone has their sort of story with it i mean i i mean again it's another thing it's like i can hear it in my head it's just it's always there, and like in the back of my mind. And I think about him. It, it's like I can hear. Dun, dun,
2: dun, 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 dun. It's I, I. My God, it's it's my it's... phone alarm. It's my. It's been in my <laughs> ringtone back when you could buy ringtones. I would have oh. like a shitty mini-, mini version of it. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's um, so funny. But uh, yeah,
0: there's so much to Kingdom Hearts, and we we've, we've not really even touched the sort of really very sweet very sincere story of the game i mean granted you really don't engage with the story of kingdom hearts one for most of the game with the disney worlds it's only when you really get to hollow bastion is when the game kind of like picks up steam again and like you know it starts dropping all the kingdom hearts mumbo jumbo on you about uh, Answer seeker of darkness of uh, riku being possessed by him the seven princesses of heart all this like nebulous concepts that the game is like dropping at you on the last quarter mm-hmm. quarter of the game but I think at the the sort of emotional through line though of Sora and Kairi wanting to get back together again is a very touching beautiful little story and, and also Sora trying to get Riku back like trying to bring together this friendship that you had with two people where you're not sure where one person is and you're trying to find the other person who's like running away from you basically uh becoming a different person is a very touching and sincere little story and you know there are some like cringy little moments where sora is just like kairi kairi's inside me uh (laughs) when he learns that kairi's heart was inside him the whole time uh and when i say heart this is another thing when when Kingdom Hearts says hearts, the best way to, to describe it is like they're talking about their souls. Like, right. the, yeah, it's yeah. like when Co- Kingdom Hearts says hearts, that's like somebody's soul, and light and darkness are basically good and evil. Like, that's if you understand those concepts, the game becomes a lot easier to understand. Like, these nebulous, right. broad things aren't as confusing when you break it down like that.
2: But, oh, I, okay. I, so what is a heartless now? Because this game <laughs> says one thing. <laughs> now what? Okay. Now, in your in your words, what do you think this game thinks a uh, heartless is? The main antagonist of the game. <laughs> well, I think. <laughs> oh God, you're putting me on the spot here. Okay, I I don't want to put you on the spot. But, I mean, Nick, do you have a particular uh, definition? Because it's it's I'm... something along the lines of you die yeah and i mean then...
1: my yeah my my interpretation of it is that you are taken over by the darkness yeah. so um you know it's not necessarily that you die and then you become a heartless it's that there's literally a creature the that heart? attacks you and steal and i guess i don't know it, the, the heartless or the black pillars. heart right right yeah it's it like heartless it, or black pillars yeah it doesn't uh, send your heart, it like releases your heart. So it's swallowing your body into darkness, which then turns it into a heartless.
2: Um, no, that's yeah, a really good, so, that's a good yeah. version of that. Uh, so it also, I guess, Kingdom Hearts in this game is just a source of power, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you uh, ask me, what like what is the true Kingdom Hearts,
1: quote unquote? It's like I have no idea because because even though like Kingdom Hearts is light, and then you know it shows the light, <laughs> and then it's like okay, so Ansem is then killed, or and the heartless An- is, is, Ansem is, Seeker is, is of is Darkness, defeated. Ansem Seeker of Darkness, um, is defeated. And then he like admits as he's de- de- being defeated. he's like, no, it can't be light. And then I guess it's actually not light because then they look in the they look in the door and they see that it's teeming with darkness, you know, and there's like the um dark sides that are that are coming up. So I've like never, I mean that's one of the things. it's like I'm sure that I have heard probably over 10 times an explanation on this exact thing as to like what it logically is. I don't know. That, you, you know, it actually, you like know it Hearts, what it actually Kingdom Hearts you know I have
0: no idea So I'm, I'm sure an autistic Kingdom Hearts fan has like properly defined it all but the thing is is that I don't think that's the goal I don't think that's what Nomura is trying to get across with with this game I, I you know he's able to I think eventually he's, a va- he's able to sort of define what the heartless are and then eventually like what nobodies are and what Kingdom Hearts is, you know, this nebulous concept of a place that's so full of light or darkness. It kind of feels, you know, I think Kingdom Hearts to the characters in the universe, it's kind of what it wants, you know, people to be. You know, they establish that, like, you know, when there is light, there always will be darkness, and when there's darkness, there always, it's like yin, It's like the yin and yang, basically. That's more or less what like light and darkness. It's the yin and yang concept. Someone who is pure of heart, pure of light, is not without a little bit of darkness, and who someone who is of pure darkness is not f- absent of light. And there's sort of this sort of balance between everyone. You see it. You know, Riku's struggle with this. Uh, through the game where he's embracing the darkness but you know like deep down he's not purely like a heartless being you know he still has this good inside of him and he struggles with that you know it feels very much like you know when you are like a young teenager trying to wrestle with your own sort of negative self-perceptions of the world and yourself i feel like that's more or less what riku's going through i mean you know granted sora's kind of like the outlier in this because apparently he's like all good and all light and that's okay mm-hmm. Um but that doesn't matter you know Sora is kind of like the emotional core of the of the series he's he's the vessel for you as the player to engage with what is going on on screen and what is happening you know he's kind of the mediator the this he's this he's there to sort of be the you know he's supposed he's there to sort of guide people where they need to be and you see this even you know you see this like uh like even melissa maleficent like turns into the dragon you know after ansem turns her into that basically when he possesses riku Mm -hmm. like there's i think kingdom hearts one's ultimate one of its ultimate messages is like sort of the balance of good and evil within everyone you know it's a very universal truth message that it's trying to elicit to its players you know and for a lot of players they were very young you know young kids young teenagers i think that was a very poignant story to get across back then you know Mm -hmm. it's okay to sort of have negative thoughts it's okay to have you know it's obviously good to have positive thoughts and it's okay to have a marriage between the two it's you know it's when you succumb to the darkness inside your heart is when it becomes a problem you see right. it just overcomes you and turns you into just you know a person who is all all they care about is power and controlling people and all all the sort of you know kingdom hearts logic and i mm-hmm. think ultimately that's what it's that's what kingdom hearts one is trying to get across and i think it does it's just that it has a lot of terminology that's not like absolutely defined 100 percent. it's kind of left to your interpretation sort of thing
1: right right
0: um it's interesting how uh yeah and then the the other pillar too is just sora and sora and kairi's destined journey with each other you know kairi Kairi is a fascinating character to me uh, being one of the seven princesses of pure light, you know, and she's sort of like always destined to be with Sora. She, you know, Sora wants to share his, the Poo fruit with her. Um, But I think what I love about their relationship is that, you know, whether or not you want to, you know, granted, this was before kingdom hearts three kind of like, you know, wrote down that these two have, you know, pure romantic feelings for each other. You know, <laughs> I always view Sora and Kyrie's relationship is like, hey, when your friend moves away for like a year or two, and you're like, trying to, you know, are they truly in your heart? Do they think about you day to day all the time? And with Sora, it's like literally he has Kyrie inside of her, like he just doesn't know that yet. It's like coming to truth about, yeah, if you're truly bonded with someone you truly connect with someone if you're true friends and you're always thinking about each other yeah they're gonna be with you even when you least think about it and i think that's a very touching message especially for you know the audience that was playing this game
1: yeah super i mean that was like what i had mentioned when i you had asked what like kingdom hearts means to me right Is like those were the topics that i touched on Mm -hmm. i think it's like you know um it is really helpful whenever you're lonely or whenever you're like struggling um, to just kind of reflect on that, like, okay, yeah. um, You know, you have your good friends and even if you guys move away. And I I mean, I feel that now, like I can be disconnected from some friends for a while, but you go back and kind of like immediately um, you can easily start up again. I started like my Instagram restarted (laughs) my Instagram, like after five years, And it was kind of amazing to me that, like, there were people that I hadn't talked to in five years, and it felt like we were just picking right back Mm -hmm. up. And I feel like that's a testament to kind of that central message of Kingdom Hearts, which is, you know, teaching its younger players that, hey, you don't need to be in contact with somebody 24 7. They don't need to even be living in the same city as you for you to, like, form a special bond and maintain Mm -hmm. that bond throughout life. Right.
0: Yeah, I I think that too. I think it's also kind of a unique thing too, because you know we all kind of sort of sit in this sort of large circle of Twitter space that we are, and you build friendships with people, you know, in you know many cases like thousands of miles away, and you are never sure if you are truly gonna meet each other. But I think that's kind of like you know Kingdom Hearts to this sort of thing. It's like when you you know you've made a personal impact on their lives, and you know that you and that other person share something that is just honest to goodness truth you know true like it doesn't matter if like hey i'm messaging you every day checking in on you it's like hey if you know in your heart of heart that they they know the impact you had on their life then it doesn't matter like they're always going to be with you you know maybe not directly thinking about you every moment but at least they know that, like, hey, this random Twitter mutual I've been friends with for like X amount of years, like, they really did a very positive thing for me. They made me mm-hmm. snap myself out of a out of a bad spot, or they gave me advice or something, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I think is just a un like it's a kin- it's a Kingdom Hearts uni- Kingdom Hearts universal truth, and I think you know that's the beauty of like Sora and Kyrie, and ha- I I still think <laughs> about that ending. CGI movie when the two of them are on, you know, finally meet again, you know, since, you know, before they were separated on Destiny Islands. And then they're suddenly ripped apart again as Kyrie goes back to Destiny Island and Sora still has to go find Riku. And, you know, he's just like, you know, promise me you'll never forget about me. You know, I promise to you I will find, I'll get back to you. And Kyrie's is like, I know you will and it just plays that just plays simple and clean just like as you know they they grow apart again and they just stare off at each other and it's such like a beautiful beautiful visual i love the ending cutscene of kingdom hearts one that is like it's like master class right there uh master class storytelling right there
2: yeah no immediately just like waterfall tears if i like get there because it's just like such a perfect you literally spend the whole whole game working for that and then both characters realize oh shit like nope we're like we are once again going to be separated and he's like i really am going to like find you and she's like i know and it's just a beautiful yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Again, yeah, let's again, limit- even with even when circumstances are at their worst, if you like really have a bond with someone, that will uh will will get through any of these complications that seem like they would stop that.
0: Yeah, it the, literally the bond of friendship will transcend time, space wherever you are. My like, friends
2: are my power.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> in a, A lot of people will see that as corny or cheesy, but it's like, no, it's like, just, it's a, it's just a pure Yeah. It's just (laughs) a pure truth that like a lot of people just want to reject in them. It's like, no, it's like, if you believe in your heart, if you believe in your friends and you know that, you know, they have you deep down in their soul, like they're always with you in some capacity. And I think, You know that's the beauty of Kingdom Hearts. One, it's it's that simplicity of its message. I think makes it feel much more personal as a result. Like as the series progresses, and they add all these like you know ex you know superfluous little lore bits and all the stuff. Like you know it can get mired down in the muck of it all. But and Mm -hmm. you know Kingdom Hearts being that origin point, it always feels just like that extra little bit special. And I think you know. I think, you know, for me, you know, if wrap up Kingdom Hearts 1, I think it's just, you know, it's just a wonderful game. It's a beautiful little game. You know, I can see is why it was such the massive hit that it was back in the day. You know, it's really just a, it's just a great game. Like through and throughout, there's so much to do. Like we didn't even talk about like the bonus boss fights like Kurtzitsa or, was it yeah. Kurt, Kurtzia? I can't. I can't yeah, pronounce Kurt- that C- name. I that think I it's like Kurtziza.
1: Yeah, which yeah. was the
0: fan. The fan vote submission. I remember that a fan yeah. got to vote that character, name that character. Um, there's also. I will say- Riku's oh,
2: yeah. second time in Hollow Bastion was a real motherfucker okay. uh, when, you, when you fight him and then there's an unskippable in the original unskippable cutscene oh, that like yeah. you know you memorize like Riku's whole spiel because he's being oh. possessed by Ansem, Seeker of Darkness and so yes. he does this whole you know release Kyrie's heart, lead me into everlasting darkness and you have this like you know, one and a half minute monologue completely memorized because you keep dying to this stupid tonic right. yeah. blade thing he does at the end one two three <laughs> Sonic Blade, uh, yeah.
0: oh god! But which, granted, that does get fixed in the final mix version, uh, right? But yeah, yeah, but I think you know to wrap up Kingdom Hearts One, yeah, it's just a great little game. It's a great launch point for the series, and I, you know, hey, I everyone should play it. Honest to goodness, everyone should play Kingdom Hearts One. Like, it's mm-hmm. not it's not a bad controlling game. There's there, it's a fun game. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of secrets to uncover. There's a lot to do. I mean, granted, I'm not one for grinding to get the ultimate keyblade uh that that shit can fuck off
2: i'm not doing all the synthesis runs the Uh, moogle shop though is so cute and i'm not super into that but my boyfriend is like really into the completionist side of those games so like he's doing all of the like farming and doing the like special mushrooms that will give you like a certain like (laughs) alloy that you can bring back to the moogle shop to get like uh to you know finish the cookbook so that all the mickey emblems are on everything inside of jimmy's journal like yeah, if I you're in, there, if you're I Kingdom Hearts, yeah. I think
1: Kingdom Hearts one and two are yeah. the only games that I've ever platinumed So
0: yeah, mm, okay, I've done all of those. Oh damn, you play critical mode then? Oh man, <laughs> yeah, I have. Oh, I've, I've played, I've, yeah. I played. Yeah, I, I, we'll save that too. But I, me even the hard mode for me is like tricky. Like mm. I can't imagine you guys playing critical. That seems like you know truly built different difficulty. Uh, to beat Kingdom Hearts two and one on critical, uh, but there, I will note the critical modes are well thought out. Like compared to most mm. games where it has the hardest difficulty, Kingdom Hearts actually does a good, very good critical mode uh, or hardest difficulty mode. So that's a little bonus too. I think we'll get to critical run when we cover two later on in the year. Mm. Um, but yeah, everyone should play Kingdom Hearts. So I think that transitions transition us into the next game of the the 1.5 collection which is <laughs> Chain of Memories <music> So Chain of Memories uh, originally was a Game Boy Advance game back in the day. Uh, This started the very uh, concerning trend of Tetsuya Nomura, putting plot-critical games onto systems that not everyone owned. Um, But this originally came out in the Game Boy Advance uh, December 7th, 2004, and it was later re-released on the PS2 uh, as re-Chain of Memories, also introducing a Tetsuya Nomura's penchant for very strange named games um the PS2 version came out December 2nd 2008 in America uh basically uh the the Game Boy Advance version is this sort of uh pixel art rendition of Kingdom Hearts it's it's also a card game action game it's uh very different from the first game uh this more or less stemmed from the fact that tetsuya Nomura wanted a kingdom hearts for the game boy because he thought oh hey not everyone owns a ps2 so i want to make a kingdom hearts on the go uh and An so same
2: premise that you would not play kingdom hearts one and play kingdom hearts chain of memories as a substitute for your first kingdom hearts game insane <laughs> premise. it's insane i
0: i still can't believe this man did this uh K- chain of memories is uh unique let's just call it unique right now um it's it's a sequel to the first game it takes takes place between the events of the first game and the second game uh it falls as so if you can play as sora and riku as they travel castle oblivion uh, where they both have their own unique little stories as sora is losing his memories And Riku is trying to uh, grasp with the darkness inside of his heart. Uh, Like we said, it's a card game, action game, uh, which is, it's not like a complicated game per se. Like it it makes sense, you know, building out your card decks, building, you know, getting, you know, number uh, combinations to do your abilities that you had in the first game, yada, yada, yada. Um, But I... (laughs) What I love most about this game is the story. I would say this this is some of my favorite Nomura writing uh, out of the series, especially when it comes to Naminé, who's one who's one of the new characters in this game, uh, <laughs> including also some of the uh, uh, clowns from Organization th- Organization thirteen that uh, get introduced here. But um, so yeah, what uh, Nick? What do you think about Chain of Memories? <laughs>
1: uh i mean i had chain of memories um uh for game boy advance Mm -hmm. i never completed it on the tba um i i specifically i just i don't think i was capable of of completing it because i got to the last um battle with marluxia and that is where i gave up so you know i wouldn't be somebody who would go to the very end and then just be like well I can't do it anymore. I guess I'm just going <laughs> to give up. You know, It was like I probably spent hours upon hours trying to complete it and just could not. So it wasn't yeah. until I actually um, uh, got retained memories and I, when I was in college that mm-hmm. I was actually able to um, complete it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I really love the story. I love all of the characters that they introduce. Um, some of my favorite characters of the organization are um, people in uh, that were introduced specifically in Chain of Memories and I really loved the self-contained stories of one, Chain of Memories days and then two like I I really think that was like kind of the height of Kingdom Hearts storytelling for me Mm -hmm. um, where it didn't feel like things yeah it still felt a little strange but I felt like I could still like conceptualize everything that was going on Um, and (coughs) so I like, I really like the story elements, Mm -hmm. um, in chain of memories, uh, gameplay wise, you know, it, um, I actually had started playing, um, all of the games again and I, I beat one, you know, for this podcast, I beat one and I like stopped in the middle of chain of memories, (laughs) you know, I was like, uh, it's, it can get really repetitive. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it like you're saying, it's like a slog. Um, I mean, some of these games can be a slog. And I think for me, because the deck... I mean, as with most card games, it's like a random number generator, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of are stuck with whatever you're given. And it's really kind of difficult to, like, say, okay, I want to do this thing and, like, get to that point relatively quickly. Like, it is all pretty random. Yeah. So... I think the gameplay really kind of limits it, but it has a really good story that I think you do get the payoff if you're playing through it for the first time
0: uh-huh. eventually. Yeah. And what do you think, Taylor, of Chain of Memories? And I think you have a lot to say. <sighs> uh, so, so, first
2: of all, I uh, went from playing Kingdom Hearts 1 to then playing Kingdom Hearts 2. I didn't know Chain of Memories existed. So I was one of the many people like you know whiplashed by the opening and then sub, you know subsequent hours of uh Kingdom Hearts 2 where I'm getting all of these characters that I should have apparently known about. Um, so I, I've only gone back to uh chain of memories in retrospect um I think the GBA, which I played some of that on emulation and I do think that some of the like translating Kingdom Hearts one Kingdom Heart one, kingdom hearts one's aesthetic to gba is has some really like charming effects like Traverse Town with like the gba um like sound chip is really cute like Mm -hmm. some of that is great however uh specifically the little mermaid level music is really bad in the gba one like the trumpet (laughs) sound is so jarring and awful um I, I The thing that's cool about this game is that it leans on mechanics uh, in a way that I feel like they learned to, like, not do so hard, which is make it so numbers heavy, where as you were talking about with the deck, you can just build yourself into, like, basically like a hard lock or, an, or a soft lock uh, situation where you don't have enough uh, cards. And you, this game, you kind of procedurally generate the map in these cubes sections as you go through. Uh, by using these different modifier cards. So it's cool because you're kind of designing these um, skinned levels uh, that are themed after things from the first game. We were kind of replaying through the events of the first game with everyone uh, having their memory wiped, basically. Um, and it's interesting in that respect, but it also does become very grindy. It becomes very uh you know you get stuck into these boss battles that you just run out of cards you can run out of cards and not be able to act like there's no free swing like in every other kingdom hearts game there is no free attack um it has to be part of a card thing um so i think it's it makes a lot of bold choices that don't really (laughs) land for me it sure Um, does make choices um (laughs) <laughs> story wise I will be honest I don't love the music in Castle Living, which is one of the hardest things that there's so much of it in the cutscenes is that I don't love the weird ominous uh, keyboard thing yeah, but I do it... love the characters that we first meet here like uh, Axel obviously oh, yeah. Maxine uh, Cunty Boots, Twirl yeah. uh, there's That's... a lot of really good character work in this yeah. game
0: yeah it's such an interesting thing a chain of memories like i will it, like kingdom hearts is a series like the mainline entries are your sort of standard action rpg fare where they control as you expect and then the sort of quote spinoffs try to do something a little different like chain of memories of it was the first one birth by sleep also kind of does its own little unique it's kind of the same thing but like streamlined sort of thing, Dream Drop Distance has its own quirks, you know, This these sort of, you know, the side games, if you want to call them that, they always try to do something different. And Chain of Memories kind of falls flat for me because, like, at least when I've played it, it's like when I learned that, like, Sonic Blade uh, broke the game, uh, I was just like, well, guess I'm doing that for, like, 20 hours. Like it's unfortunate because I can commend them for trying to do something different. And it's such a very different thing, like a card game, action game sort of thing. Like where card games are much more like classical turn-based like gameplay. And so trying to like mold the mold, like a turn-based thing into an action-based thing is kind of commendable on one hand, but you w- once you learn how to, like, break the game, because it kind of can get broken pretty easily, then you're just like, and eh, now I'm just kind of, like, doing the same thing. But I think the saving thing for the game is its story, particularly for me with Sora's story, you know, dealing with the organization members that they introduce, uh Marluxia, Larxine, Vexen, Lexaeus, and Zexion. Uh, try saying that over and over fast. Uh... And then obviously Axel too. Axel's this this Axel's like the star member of the organization. Like, and we'll get it, we'll get into it with three, five, eight days. Um, but I love the sort of theme of this game, which is memories. You know, the game sent you know once Sora gets into Castle Oblivion, he's starting to realize that his memories are being taken away, and he's forgetting the journeys that he went on in the first game. He's forgetting you know, the Final Fantasy characters that he met, you know, uh, Aerith, uh, Leon, uh, Sid, Yuffie, you know, he's starting to lose their memories. He's starting to forget about the people he saw in the Disney worlds. And he's even forgetting, like, about his close friends, too. So, but, you know, uh, you know, where he's he even loses the memory of Kyrie. you know, the one person that matters most to him, and, you know, learning the sort of reason that it's happening at the hands of this young girl named Nomine, who's, you know, this special nobody, which we'll...
2: we'll she's no- a memory witch. Don't worry about yeah. it. We'll get right, to- yeah, right now,
0: she's a memory witch. We'll get into uh, the nobodies. The nobodies and the heartless. Oh, boy. Um, that's another... You know, open up the purse and like dump everything out, sort of things. Like <laughs> this is another Tetsuya Nomura like quirk that he introduces to the series: is people without hearts and emotions are called nobodies. Uh, and if well, you're no, they're a- the
2: bodies of people who lose their hearts, hearts. especially strong people. They're their corpses turn into nobodies, who then desire hearts to become people. <laughs>
0: yeah, and if you're an original character who's not a Disney character and who's very attractive, you become one of the organization members, um, because there ain't no Disney character that becomes like a nobody akin to the organization members. Mm. But I I love this little, like you said, Nick. It's this little self-contained story about memories, about what is real and what is not real. You know, and even this sort of like little thing that, you know, Sora has with Namine, it's like the fake memories become are they actually real memories at all? Like is Namine's sort of, you know, as she implants these memories into Sora, are those even real? And I love this sort of little dynamic that forms out of it. And it's a very touching little story. Like there especially in the in the light game, like when Namine presents you the choice saying, do you want to get your memories back or do you, you know, want to, you know, not do that? And Sora's just like, you know, I want my memories back. And she, you know, there's that one little moment where she flinches. She's like, Well, there goes my existence, basically. Hmm. Like that that's a that's a very that's a very kind of deep thing to impart on young, especially for Game Boy, like, which is pretty much kids. That's a very personal and deep little story to you know themes to present to kids it's like you know the memories you have growing up like are the ones that fade away from you like were they real are they real are they still with you like that's a very touching thing to talk about and that that's another thing about Nomura is that he never treats the younger audience of his games as like stupid He he mm-hmm. he talks to them very much like in an adult way, where it's you know, how do you process these things that are happening to you as you get older? And you know, chain of memories taking place right after the first game, and this isn't an un- unintentional fact because rechain of memories was released after two. So uh, Haley Joel Osmond, mm-hmm. who voices Sora, his voice had cracked uh, mm-hmm. uh, by the time two happened. So it's like this younger version of Sora who's like talking like a, who sounds like a teenager. Like it's kind of like an unintended thing where it's like, yeah, Sora's growing older in his memory. You know, you choose which memories you want to kind of remember vividly in your mind. And then which ones kind of get compartmentalized. Like, I don't know. Like to me, that's a very touching thing to experience, especially if you're younger. Like I think that's the beauty of Nomura is that he always treats these very broad ideas to, you know, younger people, but he never like sugarcoats them. He never sort of downplays them or dumbs them down. No, he presents them as just sort of things that are happening. And how do you, how do you best deal with it?
2: There's also some, like some maturity to the character of nominee and that she's, While being, you know, held, I guess, at gunpoint, she is also emotionally like, you know, she kind of wants to be someone to someone, Mm -hmm. and wants to be, uh, thought of and you know, kept in someone's heart. So, to she has an emotional buy-in to the memory witch stuff she does to Sora to like basically, you know, gaslight him into thinking (laughs) that, uh, the Kyrie figure in his life is, uh, her. Yeah. Um and it I guess you were saying earlier it breaks her heart that she has she realizes that like no it's it's not my place to take this space in his life because you know I'm doing it the wrong way you know I'm not and and once he you know once that uh facade is gone throughout the series Sora then connects to Naminé as a person as as Nominay, not as this kind of you know corruption Make, of definitely. Kyrie's memory. Yeah, yeah cuz you know, nominee nominees
0: is like a in this game because this is really the one game she has like she's like a main character, like her sort of creation of being born from both Sora and Kyrie, which is why she's able to sort of manipulate the memories of Sora in a, to an extent. Like, I think that's a very like her story is very sad in a way. Like, she clearly she just wants a friend to call her own and the only way she knows how to do it and granted the organization puts her up to it you know she wants a friend and her only way of doing it is to sort of re you know you know as you know she has her little drawing book and she's drawing herself into the memories and it feels very true i mean that's such like a a very young kid thing to do especially if you're more of a loner type it's like well, you kind of imagine what it's like to be, you know, the outsider and you want to be like with this established trio of people. It's like, well, it's very just honest, like a very honest kid thing to feel. And it's, you know, I commend Namura for being very, very tender with her story. And it's, it's, you know, it's very heartbreaking to see the ending of her story, the way it plays out. But, you know, again, Sora, the best, most purest little angel on, you know, in the face of planet earth, like in a way he creates like a happy ending in the melancholy where he's like, you know, it doesn't matter if, you know, the memories maybe weren't real, at least, you know, there's still memories at the end of the day. Like that's still a very touching message that he's trying to get across. Like Sora's kind of like the The vehicle to sort of give the ultimate white pill as it were to the universe and I I loved you know people can like ridicule or lament that Sora is like a big big doofus who like only thinks in the positive but like for a lot of people like you know having that positive out you know positive character that can impart on you something very touching I think really speaks volumes to just this this game's singular little story and I love that about it like it's such a well-handled story
1: I I love how I mean I think it it's a testament to Nomura's storytelling ability that when you are watching Sora you get frustrated with um, the fact that you know Kyrie is slowly being you know replaced by nominee um for people who are like invested in the story um from Kingdom Hearts one you're like kind of offended that mm-hmm. suddenly they're they're they've completely replaced Kyrie with nominee mm-hmm. um and despite that like you never have like any ill will towards nominee herself you know which I think is is, you know, very interesting when oh, yeah. you get that when he's given that decision you can keep my memories with you or um you can keep my memories that you have with me or I can, you know, replace them with your old memories mm-hmm. you're like you're like, God, does it have to be that decision? Can it not be like both? Yeah. Because you know, even though it's funny Namine was never, has never been in Sora's life you you still come to think like, oh, that is really sad. And I think it's like really well expertly done. It's not just like um, from the beginning there was, you know, um, oh, it's now nominated. I'm completely focused on. It's like from the beginning, it's like, oh, wasn't there another girl, you know, that we mm-hmm. hung out with a couple, you know, a couple of times. And so it's like you're kind of watching Sora go through this um, life that he had with her and like remembering every this life that he had with her which didn't ultimately exist and so I think it's right just you know again um, really is artful skillful mm-hmm. of Nomura to make you have that empathy for this girl that really you know there's no real backstory for that mm-hmm. you know that you have any you know relation to beyond this game
0: yeah no, I agree like That's, I think that's always, uh, you know, Naminé is kind of the first example that the series does where it, and heck, Naminé is not even the only character that gets this treatment. Like, Replicant Riku makes his introduction here. And Replicant Riku has a very (laughs) similar story. Like, okay, yeah, I know it's a silly name, Replicant Riku, we'll get there. But this is a thing Nomura's done where he's kind of, like, implanted these characters who don't get the sort of idealized happy ending that we as players and fans want, you know, grant, you know, heck the next game we're going to yeah. talk about there to, the ultimate example of this in Xion. but, you know, I love that, you know, Nomura has a very, just like pure hearted view that like anybody who's any, everybody in this series deserves happiness, whether it be, you know, no matter where they come from or what their reasoning are, like there's still a reason to fight for them in a sense that w- there still is a reason to think about them or think, you know, remember the, you know, the good inside them. I mean, the fact that the game ends with Jiminy writing into the notebook, you know, thank nominee, you know, as Sora knows that he will not remember nominee after he gets his memories back, she's going to fade away, but at least there's this one thing telling him that like there's this person waiting for you, to you know, get the sort of conclusion that she, you know, as, as fans we want to see her has, and I think Nomura's cognizant of that. Like he always lays <laughs> lays these little bits and you know spurts of like these characters who endure arguably very real emotional like hardships throughout their stories you know nominee is one or you know roxas is one of them or you know roxas axel Sheon. <laughs> i mean because those three go through it uh very much so but like it's like going through this hardship these you know extremely in you know traumatic moments for these characters and it's like by going through this these hardships in life you know much like in the way we all go through our own sort of like valleys of just like things are just not going our way. Like why can't we just get something positive to get us out of the darkness, literally get out of the darkness. And Nomura is able to let us finally have these characters have their moment to escape, you know, all of this, you know, I think of like the birth by sleep trio enduring arguably so much, you know, (laughs) like aqua being stuck in the realm of darkness for like a decade like there's so many of these like characters and nominee i think is like the first time that he really experiments with this idea in the franchise of like you know putting a character in there who has to endure a lot and doesn't get what they want at start but it's you know through us as the player and you know as you know controlling Sora, we get to have this sort of like we did it we completed this we finally set things right with them and i think that's beautiful like not many games are willing you know are granted that liberty to sort of set plot threads in motion and then come back to them much later on and it's like a that's kind of like the beauty of a long running franchise like this is you can set you can have these like self contained stories but like they're still like payoff You know, literally decades that are in the making, and you know, chain of memories. As much as like Nomura didn't want this per se to be like a big story game, like there's still payoff to be happening much Mm -hmm. later in the series. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, the heck, you know, Replicant Riku gets his 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 uh payoff in Kingdom Hearts three. You know, a character we all thought was dead, (laughs) like. Yeah, well, I mean, I
1: think I think now, like, we, it's like, okay, now that Kingdom Hearts 3 has come out, I think we all can understand how Nomura works, you know. But back then, like, with Birth by Sleep, with Chain of Memories, there was no guarantee that there was going to be a payoff. Mm-hmm. So, like, you were kind of, like, left full how, you know, given the mechanics of the world, how do you get a payoff for this? So, to Naman and Roxas, their payoff came relatively quickly. Um, I, I mean, I guess the argument, though, is that they didn't necessarily have a body, but, you know, the end of Kingdom Hearts 2 had them, like, reuniting via, like, Kyrie and Sora, right? But yeah. um, with later, and I mean, with the next game we're going to be talking about, there was no obvious payoff for that. Like, oh, yeah. There was no obvious way that you're going to have these the trio be reunited so you mm-hmm. know um i appreciate that i appreciate that he has not died and yeah that kingdom hearts has sold well enough that like we can continue getting these story um threads years years down the line
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's rare you know it, it's a miracle that many games get a sequel in the first place because it's never guaranteed And the Mm -hmm. fact that Kingdom Hearts has been given this ability to persevere through two decades of, you know, change and innovation in the industry. And this madman named Tetsuya Nomura gets to have this large scale story that like at one hand is self-contained per game, kind of but there's always like this grand scope in the back of your mind thinking like, well, how's this going to work? How's this going to all do off? And the fact that, you know, he was able to do this with a originally a Game Boy Advance game. I have to commend him for it. Even if the game is kind of eh on the gameplay side, like I think this, this is where I stand with chain of memories is that the gameplay is just okay enough that it it makes it worth to see this story, both Sora's story and Riku's story. Like I, I buy my ticket of a mission so that I can see this very som- this very melancholic story play out. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, in a perfect world, I would love to see them like try again with this concept, because I think there could, there is a world where this concept of a card game action game could work. It's just that you know, unfortunately, you can break it easily. And Riku's final boss makes me want to slam a controller in the wall. I hate, I hate the final boss of Riku's uh, game uh, because <laughs> because that uh, Mik- uh, Mickey's healing uh takes a little too long, and uh you can get canceled out of that healing animation uh, mm-hmm. with a zero. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a lovely and totally uh, a fun mechanic. I love the zeros, the zero cards. (laughs) They're totally not uh, uh, make me want to snap a controller in half moment, but what can you do? (laughs) What can you do? But um, yeah, I mean, there isn't as much to say about chain of memories because it is like a smaller game in hindsight. And this is, it kind of sat between two larger games much larger games you know kingdom hearts one setting everything in motion and kingdom hearts two paying off a lot of things from one and chain of memories but i think chain of memories is an important game to experience now will i say you should go out and play chain of memories yeah if you liked one i would say give chain of memories a shot um Probably not going to be for a
2: lot of you. I'll say yeah, that cutscene H- H- movies are readily available on YouTube. <laughs> right. so I'll say, H-H-
1: scenes. Yeah, the story. The story is is entertaining enough.
0: Um, yeah. Just get
2: used to the <laughs> do 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 do. do-, 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 do- <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that music.
0: Yeah, so. it's unfortunate because it's clear that Rechain of Memories did not have the biggest of budgets. Like. All the A list, B list Disney voice actors that they like cast normally for the main entries couldn't. They didn't have the budget for them. Uh, I d- I am not a fan of the person that they got to voice Mickey in this game. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and a lot of the game is text based too. Mm-hmm. Um, most yep. of the voice acting is pretty much reserved pretty <laughs> for the cutscenes. You know uh you know quentin flynn steals the show as axel of course uh he's he's amazing in that one um right but yeah i mean if you like kingdom hearts one give chain of memories a shot but yeah i mean like we said there's cutscene movies just you know be ready for the music and be ready for some uh budget cuts uh at places but you know I think Chain of Memories is an in the grand scope of Kingdom Hearts, it's an important game to experience to yeah. say that you played it. So, yeah, uh, is there any closing thoughts, Taylor, on Chain of Memories? Or are we good there? I'm all good. All right, so I think this transitions us to the final game of tonight, which is Kingdom Hearts three five eight days over two. 5A Days Over 2 it was a DS game. Originally came out back September 29th, 2009. Uh, this game was also ported to the 1.5 collection, but sadly reduced to cutscene movies. Um, so this game, you play as Roxas uh, with your two friends, Axel and Shion, as you work as organization members. Uh, basically going through their day their daily lives going you know through the 358 days over two people, which is through Roxas and Xion, and it you know it's this is an interesting game because you know the, the DS game is very unique in the sense that it's not the most exciting thing I've ever played but it's almost like the mundanity of it all fuels the story of this game which is on. in many ways I think this might be Nomura's peak in terms of storytelling like if one of or one of them at the very least I'm very attached to the story of Roxas, Shion and Axel it's a very sad story of three friends destined for tragedy uh, as they do these very mundane almost work you know job like tasks that they're told to do through you know these daily missions which play in a way very similar to monster hunter kind of and i don't know it's such a somber beautiful story so i mean so uh, taylor what do you think of three five eight days over two
2: uh um i think this is my favorite uh game's story. Um I don't know if I could say it's my fa- it's the best Kingdom Hearts game, but um yeah. I really really connected to this one because I started playing it as I first kind of started um doing some of the more like mundane parts of adult life uh where you're doing this kind of um repetition, um you're kind of forced in these situations and you're kind of uh You know trying to form your identity and uh it's it is so it perfectly explains this kind of thing that like when you work someplace or just when you're you know situationally forced to be with people um i don't know sometimes the littlest things become something super significant and uh something like the the ice cream they have after a shift um mm-hmm. it's and basically the whole game is kind of the nobody's characters uh kind of have this complex about not being real people so mm-hmm. it's like okay yeah we're like you know beings of sorts but we don't really exist so it's like we're not supposed to enjoy things or like make friendships or you know anything like that and um there's this kind of beautiful thing that like you know, after some of their boring tasks, they start just you know doing something friends would do, which is just like you know enjoying ice cream while looking at a beautiful view, and mm-hmm. um, it becomes this symbolic uh you know cornerstone of their friendship. It's it just it's I don't know. It's it's hard for me to get everything out in words of why this game is so effective, but uh, the the slowly people basically building um each other up and helping each other kind of um develop and um oh god <laughs> it's so hard yeah, to like kn- down. yeah yeah uh, and then one thing mechanically though also, i also really like this game it's got a lot of cool little quirks uh you have this tetris grid for your um, oh, yeah yep abilities and magic uses um and because of the monster hunter format it kind of makes the idea of different builds for different missions a concern which is really fun mm-hmm. um yeah i'll i'll let nick go while i think more about it yeah. um <laughs> got a lot of
0: yeah <laughs> what, do th- what do you think of 358 nick
2: yeah i mean i
1: played it um for the first time and kind of only time um when it originally came out um and i remember you know not i don't think i had strong opinions on like the battle system and um the actual like game um portion of it um Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't until later when i you know saw all the memes of like oh yeah it's so boring and monotonous (laughs) i was like oh yeah i mean i guess it was but i think i played it on a summer break so Mm -hmm. it was like the perfect oh yeah it's like okay you know i have three months between you know college um semesters you know so it was like what else am i gonna do yeah i'm I'm more than happy to you know pick this up and play it a little bit and i remember being like shocked when we got to the ending and like that story i think i have never cried as much like what um watching a kingdom hearts like mm-hmm. story beat than the ending of this game um and it was like it was crazy how emotionally i was invested in um these people because this came out after Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah. So like my my going into it having played Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts 2 was like oh this will be like kind of like a fan servicey thing. Mm-hmm. Like people really like the organization members and were really curious as to what they were doing mm-hmm. um, day to day. So it will be this kind of fan y thing that you know we already know what happened. Um, to everybody at that time. It's just filling in that year. Um, yeah. But yeah, you didn't know about Shion when you played Kingdom Hearts 2 because everybody had forgotten about her. Um, <laughs> you know, do I know if Nomura, when he was planning Kingdom Hearts 2 and Chain of Memories, if he um, had like all of this in his brain? I don't really know. I would say probably not. You know, <laughs> I, I think that that's one of those conveniently like, oh yeah. I'll just have everybody forget about her. And so then it will be something that that won't create a plot hole or a continuity error. But I'm glad that he did, you know, go back and include her. Because, again, I think it was like, um, as kind of you were saying, one of the most like emotionally um, fleshed out trios in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that payoff that we got so many years later was like really, really worth it. That was like what everybody was uh-huh, yeah. talking about. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think like, don't have very strong feelings around the game games, like the game aspect of the game, but yeah. very strong feelings around the story aspect. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I thought it was, yeah, really, really well what written, um, that you were able to get so invested in these characters
0: yeah it three five eight is such a beautiful game because it's different I mean it's similar because it kind of plays like two so like you kind of you know know the gist of it all and he, and you know how the story ends for Roxas and you know how it ends for like even axel uh so like seeing these characters, in the past like it, it adds this 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 layer of like i know what's gonna happen and it's gonna it's not gonna end well like because i know what's gonna happen to roxas he's gonna get into twilight town he's gonna get into the simulated twilight town he's gonna get back with sora i know what's gonna happen to axel and he meets his demise into well demise in quotes um but it adds this layer of just tragedy that is like you you know it's gonna happen. It's like, you know, there's so many different like games, or you know, it makes me think of like Persona 3, where it's like the game up front tells you at the start, like you are uh don't forget that you are gonna die at this. And you kind of want to forget about that as you spend this year doing your mundane jobs with your friends and you You know, all you really do is sort of just bond at the clock tower, having your ice cream, because really all that is all, you know, as these nobodies, these people who were people, they, you know, and like Axel, he knows like part of his life before he became a nobody. But, you know, to people like Roxas, who was like quite literally born a few days ago, all he doesn't have an understanding of anything. He he's more or less told what to do you know, to him, you know, friendship is, like, doing, you know, go literally, friendship to him is spending time at the clock tower having sea salt ice cream, and sure, you know, to outsiders, that would seem very, like, silly, much in the way of the rest of the series, to be like, oh, ice cream is friendship? That's kind of stupid, but, you know, when you sit down with it, and you realize, like, this mundane game that's, like, can be very boring at times and kind of like and I'm really doing chores and all this stuff but it's like I I don't know if this was intentional or not because I'm never it's never been talked about by Nomura if I if I know correctly but it's like doing these mundane tasks the game asks you to do day by day you know through this the course of the game Really reflects kind of like being an adult or growing up, and like you get your job and like you're doing these very boring tasks. You know, your first job is like flipping burgers, and that's all you do the entire time. That's very boring and not really exciting. You look forward to the time when you're off work with your friends and having those times, spending time with each other, having good memories. And you know, that's pretty much what all Roxas knows because the organization tells them, Hey, do this for us you know, kill this monster for us or, you know, you know, all these sort of simple things and all he has to fall back on is Rock, uh, Axel and Shion. And it's like going through the game and you're knowing that like something, something's going to happen. Some There's going to be a moment where it all starts to crumble. Like, that's like the un- unnerving despair inside of you waiting for this to happen. You know how it's going to end and as you see each brick coming out of the of this sort of foundation of their friendship come out piece by piece by piece you're just like you you're like kind of like hoping it's like can you make it stop like i want them to like have these memories with each other but it's like the world is saying no the things that have to happen have to happen and you can't stop this it's so heartbreaking to see like you know, Shion and Roxas sort of realize what they are, which are more or less tools for the organization to get their ultimate plan done. And you're seeing these, you know, young, for the most part, like young kids realize their fates and it's heartbreaking.
2: It's really heartbreaking to see it all happen. And there's this like real struggle against that kind of predetermined fate in the same way where it's like he you know, Roxas come has starts realizing it's like, you know, everything that I do is just for this greater cause that I don't, I don't believe in. Like, I'm not concerned about getting kingdom hearts, whatever that is. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the only thing that I, Roxas, a person who has just formed an identity, cares about is my friends, Shion and Axel, mm-hmm. and eating some fucking ice cream <laughs> on top of the fucking clock tower. And it's like... And then you see these characters, like, once they develop these these things that make them feel, like, human and, like, um, connected, then grab onto them. And towards the end, especially when it becomes all the more, like, fatalistic and you really start seeing, you know, the end pieces that you see at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2, you just, you see them grasp that much harder to the things that's just, like, you know, I'm not going to... Even if, the, if this is the only way forward, I'm not gonna let it happen. And mm. them having to come to terms with that, it's you know, it is predetermined. And sometimes fate does a kind of like, you know, happen to you. I don't know. It's it's really, it's so impactful. And it's and in the way that Axel is so like um is so cautious of mm-hmm. being connected with people at the beginning and uh he the way he opens up to Roxas and then knows about what Shion is and still like ends up becoming friends with her, anyways. Yeah, it's so uh, good, it's <laughs> yeah, a good it, fucking story, <laughs> yeah. It you know, you
0: know, because Roxas, you know, he is Sora's nobody, and his ultimate goal is basically to get reunited with Sora at the end of the game. And Shion is a puppet that is more or less. used by the organization to be like their own Sora or Sora where she absorbs all of his memories and as as a result also also Roxas's memories because you know Roxas and Sora are the same person for the most part so and you realize you know their sort of paths always you know they converge on they have either one of them lives or they both fade away and it's like as it becomes more and more clear to both of them, what is going to happen to them? Like Roxas getting more and more frustrated that all the sort of truths are being kept away from him. And she like struggling to accept the fact that, you know, she's more or less a weapon uh, for some group that she doesn't know anything about. And <clears throat> you And I love too that like she looks different for every other member of the organization. Like to Zigbar, she looks like Ventus, and you know we'll get to Ventus one day. Don't worry about it. To to Uh,
2: Zigbar, she looks like Ventus is such a funny sentence. If you don't know Kingdom, (laughs) yeah, that sounds it's yeah. Zigbar, (laughs) one of the
0: organization members. Ventus (laughs) is another character who looks like Roxas, but is a completely different person. But again, we will get to the we will get to Ventus one day. Um, but you know the fact that to um, you know as the game progresses, Xion's face turns from this sort of like mishmash of like Kyrie and Sora, and then by the end of the game, as she's absorbed so much of Sora's memories, she now looks like Sora uh, to Roxas, and you know. and then she presents like the truth to him in the sense of there's no way to progress forward unless one of us dies basically Mm -hmm. and that you know it's you, you see you see these you know teenagers more or less are basically accepting a fate that is predestined for them and they can't escape even though they're trying so desperately to escape it you know it's the it's the it's the train out of control it can't stop there's no brakes and they're on a collision course with tragedy and i think this is a, a a good time to mention vector to the heavens the and if i will say the greatest final boss theme ever written um i vector to the heavens is like the ultimate most beautiful sad melancholic tragic song ever written for a game as you're forced to fight she in front of the clock tower she's this like skyscraper heartless being and you're trying your best to on one hand defeat her but it's like you don't want to defeat her because she's like one of two people that seem to care about you you roxas as a person and you have this just dramatic orchestra with this you know piano going all over the place it is stunning that vectors of the heavens encapsulates that moment of just like i want it to stop make it please stop but it's like you can't and you know i was i think it's a bold take for me to say like that's the best final boss theme ever written in the game but i i'm sticking to my guns on that one it is the best final boss theme i've ever heard it's so sad it's also it gets you in the mood for a final boss. But it's like the
2: mood, the vibes are off, I guess you could say. The, the final refrain of that piece of music perfectly because it's, it's very like and I don't have the perfect technical terms for it, but it's very like minor and sad and like uh, sorrowful for a lot of it. But there is this like bittersweet, like like overflow of emotion that comes with the way they like recontextualize that original melody in the final version, like the, the very last refrain or whatever that it just swells up like an, over, like an emotion from like your chest. Like it's so overpowering and it's from what I understand, I, I remember and I haven't actually played this replayed this one before this, but like, it's basically Shion realizes that her, continuing to exist is going to either kill or you know erase or kind of suck all the life out of Roxas she realizes yeah. she is kind of the being alive for her means killing Roxas so she's kind of antagonizing him to kill her and you know yeah it,
0: it, so, it's it a, yeah you sorry sorry,
2: sorry. And it just it's just that it, it really communicates this feeling of like you know um I just of of really tragic, love for someone when you realize something is just it, it just is a bad situation and then people are just you know I don't know it's it's so beautiful yeah and it, it <laughs> yeah it, it 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 perfectly encapsulates
0: that feeling it's like you know Sheon knows what she is and she knows to an extent that what Roxas is and they're more or less the same person, but they're like, you know, they've have their own interests. They have their own likes and dislikes. They're, they're, they're two people while being the same person, more or less, they're forms of Sora. And, you know, it's very, it's heartbreaking. Like Shion wants Roxas to kill her. Like she knows in order to save her friend, in order to undo, like, to give the middle finger to the organization for ruining their lives, she's like, you have to kill me, which, in a result, will wipe all memories of her from everybody who's ever known her. Like, Axel will not remember her. Roxas won't remember her. And she'll just fade away like crystals, like she does. You know? And this is the scene that people meme on so hard. It's when Roxas is holding on in his arms as she's fade you know she's crystallizing and fading away into the you know into the into the sky and she's like and he's Roxas is like, well who's gonna have ice cream with me? You know, that on paper is a silly line. Like yeah, like out of context, that's a dumb line. But when you realize that like Roxas's entire life, this this whole year, he's pretty much known as monotonous job for a comp you know, a company more or less. Yeah. That hate that hates him and only sees him as a tool, you know, he's doing that, or he is bonding with two people that see the only two people who care about him, and the only things they really do is just have ice cream with each other on the clock tower. That's his whole idea of friendship, is are these fleeting little moments that are being taken away from him. And so, to him, Shion going away and now Axel you know realizing what his part in the story is it's like well Roxas is going to be left alone and he's going to have to rejoin with Sora and you know his, his fleeting understanding of what it is to be a person is like taken away bit by bit and it's just oh man it's just incredible like this is Nomura at his peak and I feel like if you even though the cutscene movie that's in the 1.5 collection, I think does enough to get you on board with what's happening, mm-hmm. playing playing the game, playing that monotonous part and being rewarded with your like one bit of solace and friendship, I think is the real powerful thing that the DS game brings to the table. You see you see the sort of facade crumbling in front of you. You know, you see, you, you see on the bottom screen the memories of Sora happening with you at the same time. You know, all this sort of like extra little details that a game can bring to the table that, you know, just a cutscene movie can't do. Um,
1: yeah, I think, I think like the monotony of the tasks are like really, really key in developing out um like the actual you know payoff of the end Mm -hmm. the the characters friendships after work um you know could I say that yeah it'd be great if like the game didn't have to be a monotonous yeah I mean so you get like a, a more interesting game um in addition to like this really riveting story but that said um you know I think it it does speak to like that final payoff that you get. And I do have to wonder like what influenced Nomura um, to, you know, kind of write this story because when we're talking about back to the to the Heavens, that final scene, you know, the realization of you have to like sacrifice your friend if you want to continue living. You know, for me, it's like, I can think back to um, like, being deeply, deeply in love with somebody who, you know, I, at, at one point realized like there is no possible like sustainable way that this relationship can continue Mm -hmm. and like wanting so bad that relationship to happen, but then Mm realize like having to come to terms with the realization that there's no way that it can ever last. Mm-hmm. And like, so the best thing that you can do is to like walk away from it. Like, that is like when I listen to Vector from the heavens, where I, I watch that, you know, those cutscenes, it's like such an obvious parallel for me personally to like that experience that I have to wonder, like, what, what experience inspired Nomura to like you know write this I'm very very curious because that's how strong I feel like the emotion behind it is and I think that's why it's so like I watched that and this is even before I had that experience that I can Mm -hmm. tie it to now but when I was first playing the game back in 2010 I think is when I played it over summer break I was just like devastated by like that story you know it was so heartbreaking
0: yeah i think i think for one actually in your case playing over summer break adds to that too because it definitely feels mm. like you have the summer job sort of feeling right. to it even though the game takes place over 358 days it still feels like the sort of melancholic summer vibes when you know everything starts off and you have your friends and it's, ah, da, 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 and then you the threat of going back to school in a way is always looming over you and you won't have these moments by ourselves with each other I think playing. I think this is like a great summer game in a weird way yeah. like this is a, a great way for a summer but I, I the, the like th-
2: a listlessness to it that is very like mm-hmm. summer vacation of like oh we do have like one thing to do today but then it's like there's literally nothing else just go back to the castle it's like well we could Go hang out, I guess, right? Like, let's yeah. go do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, which also kind of ties in Roxas's theme. You know, Roxas, even in two, when he's introduced in two, where he's on summer break with his, you know, his perceived friends of Hainer, Pence, and Olette, in that game too. Like, there's another sort of melan- you know, melancholy summer break mood to it all too. But I think, I think with three, five, eight days encapsulates so perfectly that I think is Nomura's strong point as a as a creator is that he's not particularly concerned about plot points leading into each other or plot points making sense in the sort of like logically speaking he's not a logical writer or a director in you know He's not concerned about, well, if Roxas does this, then that person's going to do that as a result, blah, 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 blah. He's much more concerned about delivering emotional crescendos and uh, I forget the, the musical term for when it gets quieter. But he's always about building up to a, a, a an explosive moment of emotion and learning how to sort of bring it back down and learning how to control that in a playable means you know and i think 358 is such a great example of this too because like we were saying you know you're doing the very boring mission-based structure of the game where more or less of the time you're doing repetitive things over and over and over and over again and you're going to a lot of locations that you have gone through in previous games over and over and over and over again and it becomes this monotony where your rep you know you're sort of saving grace from this all is those fleeting moments and you know as no as the story grows Nomura's slowly making everything louder and much more intense and extreme and it just explodes at the end of the game where everything comes out in just the most rawest form that he can do it and i think that's why so many people have such a really deep connection to Roxas, Shion and Axel throughout the whole series is, you know, which is why I think the sort of big uh, moment in Kingdom Hearts three, where they all co- finally come back together and they all remember Shion, where they finally remember who she is. They finally remember what their friendship was. And that, that I remember that scene that was like every, every big Kingdom Hearts fan was like, know pumping their fists you know just like yeah like that this is what i came here for sort of thing like this is what you know 10 years of building up to has been sort of thing and i think that's really that's the beauty of kingdom hearts in a way is like you feel these emotional stories that you know are true and you've experienced in one way or another like you said nick personally with your the relationship aspect These are all stories, you know, that we all have experienced, whether we have or we will experience them in our lives. And it doesn't particularly matter the sort of logistical underpinnings of what a heartless is, what a nobody is, what's a sleeping world, what's, you know, what's a unversed, what's a dream eater, like all these like superfluous details. What matters is emotion at the end of the day that's what matters to the world of kingdom hearts and that's why it always hits like a you know a pile of bricks when you you know when you play these games and if only people who mock this series were to actually feel this like to feel Mm -hmm. the pain of Roxas and Xion, the two you know the two in three five eight days over two to feel this this you know this tragic story of fret two friends being ripped apart through circumstances outside of their own control if only people could actually see that for what it is and not duh, he just compared his friendship to ice cream like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if only people like stepped back and appreciated that like you know, I think people would really see the power of this franchise as not just like a punching bag of like a decade's worth of internet jokes
1: totally totally agree mm-hmm.
0: so well i mean said. um yeah i mean i know just for the listeners i know it's harder to find a copy of this game because it is a d a, you know you, a ds and then you have to get the cartridge and all that sort of stuff like the cutscene movie will do you just fine but if you can Try to emulate this if possible. Try to watch someone play the DS version specifically because you won't get that full, complete experience without seeing the DS gameplay. I yeah. think,
2: and, and you- the pacing of it like, knowing it's like you have one year going into it, and there's always this kind of looming threat of what happens when you get to the end. And, like, you spend so much of the early part of the game, you're like, okay, I'm just, like, I've spent so many days and nothing's happened. And then the feeling that you get when you get to, like, day, like, 320-something, and you're like, fuck, like, things are escalating, but you're like, you know, and then you're like, the last seven days, or not the last seven days, but you're in the last, like, you know... um, it, the the window shortening it just the the compression of time definitely adds to the effect so yeah i would mm-hmm. i would recommend if you have a ds of any sort it will play uh an old school ds thing like you can have a 3ds and play this game like yeah try to if you can because it's it is really great
0: yeah it do whatever you can to play this because you won't fully get the experience and i i Again, like, I get it. If you're not vibing with the monotony, that is okay. And I understand, but I don't know, you know, whether if the monotony is intentional or unintentional, because I'm not sure. (laughs) I think that, you know, the end result that what we got with three, five, eight days over two, I think is something very, very special. Like this this is an example of a game where it is not fun to play, but it makes like an artistic statement as a result of the, mm-hmm. the not fun aspect, like the not fun fuels the story and the story fuels the not, it's this cyclical thing that births a very touching story that I think, you know, it's one of the highlights of the franchise and you see its impact on so many people where, you know, Axel's their favorite bad boy and at Roxas is their precious little angel and Shion is like you know you're you're I don't know how to describe Shion in this case, but you know' Can be queen yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Um, but yeah I mean, I guess to you know wrap up this first episode of a long series that will be playing out over the coast over the course of this show, I think. What we established tonight, I think, is King. what, you know, I think we established what Kingdom Hearts is. You know, it's this very touching, very earnest, very sincere story, you know, series of games that touch upon thing feelings that we have felt through our lives. And it doesn't matter that these games are quote-unquote for kids, whatever, you know, whatever that term you want to believe it is i think that nomura and square enix and even disney i think prove that you can still tell these stories in a very honest very sincere way to a younger audience and you can still convey very adult themes to them and you can do this you know heck you know doesn't matter what age you are i think the the themes of kingdom hearts are very poignant to our lives in a way and i i I would i would lament to to think that people would you know still like to point and laugh at the dumb video game because donald duck uh cast lightning spells from final fantasy like i would hate that that's like the thing people pull away or something you know I want people to understand the sort of power, the unique power that this series has over millions of people. Um, So, yeah, I mean, do you guys have any closing statements on our first three Kingdom Hearts games?
2: Uh, Kingdom Hearts is a super special franchise that uh, changed how I feel about video games and continuously impacts how I feel about kind of everything. Um, and it's so hard to tell people that and then point to the games. But like when you've played it, you get it. It like it is way more universal uh, than you'd ever think. And um, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. Like Kingdom Hearts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what yeah. What do you have and to say? And I think,
2: um, yeah, no, I think
1: uh, they, they are an amazing series of games. They're a time commitment, but I think it's completely worth it. You know, there's no <coughs> thing that I really think I can go back and, like, say, okay, yeah, I'm going to play this series over again from the beginning and, like, actually want to do it and, like, devote time and make time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the payoff is very, very good. Um And I think, right, exactly what you're saying, like, the adult themes are presented in a way that's digestible for you know younger audiences but i don't think that that takes away at all mm-hmm. from the poignancy of these themes so it is really something that i'm i'm very very grateful of its existence you mm-hmm. know and i'm I'm grateful that i'm able to kind of talk about it you know with <laughs> other fans here today
0: yeah no it, and, yeah, I'm grateful, too, that I have two people here who get Kingdom Hearts, you know, at its core, because, you know, it's very easy to sort of mis- misinterpret this franchise. And I, in many ways, I think Kingdom Hearts is very much in line with a lot of Disney's own works. You know, it's these are things meant for, like, younger people, but they can be for the whole family. They can They impart very important life lessons. They impart truths to younger people like and they reinforce life experiences for adults that is masterfully done and in a unique way that we rarely get to see in a long running series and you know I hope through the the course of this series of you know episodes that we talk about the various Kingdom Hearts games through the years that I you know hopefully we can change the opinion of many people or bring people back to the series but mm-hmm. um i want to thank both of you guys for joining me tonight I, this is a lot this was a lot to talk about um but i'm very grateful that you guys joined me tonight on this first part of our adventure together our, our own sora donald and goofy adventure <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah no i'm Thankful
2: no, thank, for you you. Guys. thank you for having us. No, thanks it was a for lot of fun. It
0: yeah, was, was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, and I think that's where we will stop the recording.
3: A scattered dream that's like a far-off memory. A far-off memory that's like a scattered dream. I want to line the pieces up. Yours and mine. Oh.